Sagabits presents Sega Talk, a podcast talking all things with your hosts, George and Barry. Episode 59 of Sega Talk. I'm Barry with me is George. Hello, everyone. And on this episode, we are going to be discussing Samba de Amigo. Now, you might be wondering which one. We're actually going to be talking about all of them. What? So I have them here. Are they all the same game? Uh, I mean, they're not. Pretty much. But before we get into that, and this is something I didn't tell you, uh, we've got a little mailbag. Someone made a comment on our previous episode. You can. Listen to it on iTunes, YouTube. You can also find it always on segabits.com. And that's where this comment was. I just thought it'd be fun to say what I'm commenting on instead of typing to this person. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is Sir Zyander. And they said, and this is about our Shinobi 3 Return of the Ninja Master episode. He said, this is a very good episode on a very good game. But is the Sonic story really easier to follow than Shinobi? You have the IDW comics, the Archie comics, the movies, and of course the games. You said that the order was Shinobi, Revenge of Shinobi, and Shinobi 3. Could you do that for Sonic, though? As you said, and this is what I liked, he goes, As you said on episode 4, you couldn't get your head around the story for Sonic 06. (laughs) And and I'm sure many people feel the same. Uh, And he's saying, would it even be possible to have a Sonic timeline? So first off... I just I like this because someone's we're on episode fifty nine and someone is remembering something I said on episode four. <laughs> How does that make so you feel? I it makes me afraid, scared of what I've said in the past. Because you know? yeah. people will be like, "Man, Barry, you're canceled." I'm like, "Why?" They're like, "Episode three, you said that it doesn't matter what car they use in the Outrun game; it's just a car." And I'd be like, "Oh man, um, <laughs> that's true." But just my comp. My comment to him was that I was referring to the Genesis Sonic games and how it was very easy to follow Sonic 1, 2, 3, whereas with Shinobi, and in his comment, he does lay out what the order is, but that's not the order, as we discussed. It's really Shinobi's its own thing. Revenge of Shinobi is actually the first in a Genesis series, and then Shinobi 3 is the second in a Genesis series. So it already gets a little confusing. Now, Sonic, of course, has so many games, but, I mean, end of the day, you look at the Genesis originals, and it's just easier to follow, and that was my point. But, yeah, I don't understand the Sonic 06 story. But, anyway, um, if you guys want to leave comments to these, YouTube, of course, uh, but the website's really great because it's easier for us to find them and we get notified, so... Um, of course, you can also back us on Patreon, patreon.com slash segabits. You can pick the episodes. You can get these early. You can talk to us. You can DM us, and we'll DM back to you. Like, how cool is that? Um, uh, it would also be kind of cool if, like, I don't know, we, like, had a mailbag where we take the best comment of the episode hmm. before, that, or if somebody, like, said, you guys said this wrong, and then we, like, go, all right, here's a correction, because sometimes totally we get it wrong, too, you know? Oh, yeah. I'd love to do another mailbag. We did them way back in the, the I think, on the Sega News Bits. Yeah. Um, but uh, now diving into Samade Amigo, I'm really excited about this one because this is uh, a handful of the Dreamcast games that really stood out to me. 
when the console was new and fresh. It, just like Shenmue, I was really excited every time I read about it. Just like Jet Set Radio, same thing. So w- what's interesting, though, is Samade Amigo. So it's you guys know it's a mi- music rhythm game developed by Sonic Team. It originally released in December 1999 to the Sega Naomi arcade platform. And then the next year, the game saw a port to the Sega Dreamcast with a Japanese release of April 27th, 2000. So right there, that's a really quick turnaround time. It's almost like Sega was uh, doing simultaneous releases. And do you remember when they were doing this at this time? Like, it wasn't just an arcade game announcement. It was an arcade and Dreamcast game. I don't recall the, like, the uh, announcement for it. But, like, I do recall, like, the hype surrounding it. Like, Sega, I think, did a really good job during the Dreamcast era to get Sega fans really hyped up for games, like even games that, in my opinion, I I personally wouldn't check out uh, right away. Like Sama de Amiga would never be up my alley. I wasn't in, I, at this time. I wasn't into like samba music or anything. I was pretty close minded <laughs> in terms of music. I was a kid, right? Uh-huh. So I'm yeah. like, if it isn't heavy, it ain't worth listening to. So, the, right. but I got excited for Samba de Amigo because they sold me on this party mode, this music game that like. Is very unique, and uh, I think the Dreamcast magazine did the best job on all of this, oh, yeah. selling it, because they would give you a party setting or something, and then they would write up an article about how they got drunk and <laughs> played party games like Samba de Amigo and Choo Choo Rocket and stuff, and it sold me on the idea that, like, oh, maybe I want to check this game out. I've never experienced <laughs> something like that. I, I don't know. What about you? You remember the the announcement of this and all that? Well, that's that's what I was kind of getting at, is that it, it really seemed like I don't remember the arcade announcement just because the Dreamcast release came so quickly thereafter. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like not so much, hey, Sega's got this crazy arcade game. Man, I wish it came to Dreamcast. It was more like Sega's got this crazy arcade game and it's going to be coming to Dreamcast in Japan just four months later. And then when you look at the U.S. release, that was October uh, 10th. And then the European release was December 8th. So, I mean, that's a pretty quick turnaround time. Uh, As I will later discuss, it was about a four-month localization time. So I have to imagine April, May, June, July, August. So they definitely did not start localizing this as it hit Japan. So they they waited, you know? Mm. There was a little bit of a waiting period there. Um, But the game, of course, it's... Very well known for the Maracas accessory. I think that played a big part in Sega of America and Sega Europe kind of dragging their feet a bit, trying to figure out if they wanted to do this, because that's a pretty big thing to do, is to release not only the game, but the accessory. Mm. Um, especially at the price. Now, uh, again, we'll get into what the price was, but at at the time, it felt like it was 150 bucks. It wasn't. But like it, as... Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, I did like, remember it being expensive. I mean, at least to me, but like, yeah, for the type of game that I guess it kind of seems like, I don't know. It's kind of weird because like rhythm games is one of those games where you see them visually and you're like, is this really a game? Did they put too much effort into this or something? And then to buy it, you have to pay like 150, like Guitar Hero or something, right? Because right. you have to buy an accessory. And sometimes you're wondering, is it worth it? I don't know. I guess it depends on the person if they uh are gonna play it over and over again but yeah right and then with rock band you're like buying an entire <laughs> set you know yeah um 
I mean, at least with this, it's only one set of maracas you truly need. Two is, I mean, ideal. Um, one thing, though, is that there was a Dreamcast release of a Japan-only revision, which also saw an arcade release, mm. called Samba de Amigo version 2000. That came out December 14th, 2000, just a week after the Europeans got the original game localized. So, eh. um And then eight long years later, there was a Wii version of the game released, which utilized the Wiimote. So, um, like I said, we're covering all four episodes. For me, or all four games, because I consider the Arcade one, the Dreamcast original, version 2000, and the Wii one. Um, For me, it really, like you mentioned, the official Dreamcast magazine, reading that, seeing their coverage of it was what got me excited. And it's what really told me what the game was all about. I think a big portion of uh, retro, I guess at the time, modern gaming mags, but now they're retro. um, They were kind of like dude bro. So I feel like other magazines would be like, hey man, grab a tequila. We're going to Mexico to play some samba music. And you'd be like, it's uh, I'm pretty really. sure that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I I did not really see too much of that in what I was looking at, but there definitely is, like, play up the sombrero, throw in some Spanish words. You know, it's not... Again, this is not, like, a true representation of any country, really. It's kind of like a Japanese fever dream, if you know, if yeah. anything. But still, it, it just it felt like... A lot of magazines were either just kind of dismissing it, being insensitive, being too cool for school. like, And that's what I appreciated about the official Dreamcast magazine is they would write about this and talk about the gameplay and talk about what to expect from it, the, tech, the technology behind it. Um, they never talked down to their reader and they never made their reader feel like they were too cool for certain games. So I appreciated that and that's what really got me to want to pick this up. And I'll admit, too, the Sonic Team connection. I would buy any game with the Sonic Team logo on it at the time. Oh, yeah. Um, I still would. (laughs) But uh, what I found interesting was the game was directed by Shun Nakamura, who has had a long history with Sonic Team, but he was kind of a newbie at the time with the team. He worked on Choo Choo Rocket as a puzzle editor, and then he directed Samba de Amigo for both the arcade and Dreamcast versions. Um and he also served as the main planner. He went on to direct Billy Hatcher, Rhythm Thief, and Sonic 06. Wow, what happened? So, <laughs> it's what? like it's like Rhythm Thief is a great game, and maybe that's yeah. something we'll cover in the future. Billy oh, Hatcher, sure. I think people hate on it too much. I don't think it's that bad of a game like people make it out to be. But Sonic 06 is kind of like... I think, I mean, if you watch your Sonic 06 episode, I don't think I've, you could find many people that like the game outside of, like, people that grew up with it, that have nostalgia for it now. Right, yeah, and I, I have to wonder if he was just in over his head, because he seems like a really competent guy. Like, I love almost all of the games he worked on. I'm a huge fan of Rhythm Thief. I think that's Ooh. very underrated. It's really one of the last, like... Unique I don't know, not Sonic unique. Team. Yeah, unique, non-Sonic, non-PSO Sonic Team games at the time. Um, And he seems like a guy who does really well with puzzles, with rhythm games. Billy Hatcher, again, we'll we'll cover that sometime, but from what I remember, it's a so-so platformer. And so when you get a guy who's great at puzzle games, great at rhythm games, 
and then you are like, well, he did a so-so platformer. Let's hit, give him the big next-gen Sonic title. Like, <laughs> maybe not. Probably, so I'm not yeah. saying I'm not saying he's the reason Sonic 06 was what it was, but it makes me wonder if he was in over his head. Now, hmm, Yuji Naka, he served as producer, and Yuji Yukawa served as the character designer. So he presented a cast of colorful characters that matched Sonic's 1998 refresh in terms of style, and many Sonic Team All-Stars assisted with development. Did you, looking at the art, really get like a Sonic Adventure vibe from it? I mean, look at his pose. Uh, I guess it does have a, uh, the thick lines, I guess, that Sonic Adventure had. Uh, yeah. I think it's funny that uh, Yuji Naka just hired the artist. Uh, your name Yuji? That's a good name. Solid name. That's what a real man name right there. You're hired. That's how I do. If I was like, if I was in PR and I had to like hire people, I'd be like, George, that's a strong name. I love it. You're hired. <laughs> and then he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. No, but uh, for real though, like um, I didn't know that, uh, well, like when they promoted this game, I don't know if you knew, I mean, I, you did know this, but they really played up Yuji Naka uh, being the producer for this. So to me, when I was a kid, oh, yeah. I was like, Yuji Naka made this game by himself with 10 people. That's what it, they kind of made it seem like when you uh, right. when he did the promotional period. They always play up that it's a small game that was made by a little bit of people full of creativity. They did the same thing with Choo Choo Rocket. So I always assumed it was just like not big, huge people. But these people you named, uh, Sean uh, Nakamura and uh, mm-hmm. Yuji, how do you say his last name? Ayakawa. Yeah, yeah, his his their work was huge in Sega. I mean, Sonic Adventure. He, did he do the redesign for Sonic? Uh he did. Yeah. Okay, so like that has lasting effects in the you know Sonic lore. I guess you could say. I mean, it changed Sonic forever, basically. For sure. Because now now he's the modern look. But yeah, go on. And, I mean, and as as we'll see a little later, like in publicity, Yuji Naka appeared a lot um, on the back of the U.S. case. They don't mention Yuji Naka, but they do say the game was developed by the world-renowned Sonic Team. So this is like Sonic Team at their peak. You mm. know, like, you're not going to put... You're not going to see that on the back of Sonic Forces. Not, not that Sega wouldn't want to say that, but if they did, people would go, really? <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but uh, before we get to the gameplay and characters, I want to ask, do you think Samba de Amigo would have benefited from a story mode? Because as you as you saw... I didn't talk about story. There is no story. The, um, I don't. I don't know. You know, it's like kind of like a. Uh, are they going to do a good job with the story here, with Sonic? And like, is Sonic Team going to be able to like explain why a monkey? I'm okay. Samba music is from. I mean, where's its origins from? I know it's not from Mexico. I'll tell you that Brazil. right now. Brazil. Okay, so they're going to explain how. Is there monkeys in in Brazil? Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, there is? Oh, man, now I kind of want to go. But anyway, do you think we could just go and, like, pet one? They'll probably, like, rip our skin off, right? <laughs> well, that's the thing. The Simpsons famously got in trouble when the, they went to Brazil and they made fun of their monkey problem. And they were like, we don't have a monkey problem. It's like, you you kind of do. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they're not your amigos, that's for sure. But, uh, no, they're not. <laughs> so as far as, like, a story mode, I think... Yeah, I guess it could have worked out, but like, what is it like? Uh, you play as a monkey that's touring uh, South America, <laughs> trying to start up his uh, amigo band. Uh, it would have been interesting because I mean, like, even stuff like uh, Guitar Hero had uh, story modes, and like, 
now they're making a lot of these rhythm games like the Persona ones where they're extending stories or doing what-if stories. Mm-hmm. It, it, it always made me think, like, back then, wouldn't it just been easier for them to remix Sonic music as salsa music and then just put Sonic on the cover and make it a Sonic game? Samba de Ami- Sonic de Amigo, yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could have worked. Um, I, I just I brought up stories so early because I'm sure... If people were listening to this, they, they'd go, don't you guys usually cover the story by this point? But it's like, yeah. there, there really isn't one. And I will get to the bare bones that I did find once we start talking about the characters. But really, this is a game that's all about the music, even though the characters were done by, you know, a very well-known Sonic team member. And the, uh, it just, it's, it's at a time when Sega and Sonic team were really like obsessed with story, like Sonic Adventure 2 was happening at this time, and yet Sonic Team was just like, yeah, I don't know, we're going to make a game about a dancing monkey and his friends, but there's absolutely no information about them. They're just there. Um, so it's it's interesting. I mean, there's nothing in the in the manual here, nothing that I could, you know, kind of read in the Japanese one here. But what's really interesting is that if you're looking for Samba de Amigo lore, you're not going to find it on a, a Sega Retro Wiki you're going to find it in the manual to the Wii book. So there is, this is the only place I found lore about this game. Um, So I'm excited to read that in a little bit. But before we do that, I think it's really important for us to discuss gameplay. So George, do you have some footage that we can play? You don't have to play the music or anything. It's just just giving people an idea of what the game looks like. Of of course I do. But I'm at the Mm. buy. I have to mute it right here, sorry. But yeah. Ariba. Mucho (laughs) gusto. (laughs) That's what it says. It says the game has mucho music. Oh, I mean, that's as... Let's be honest, (laughs) I I kind of skipped into the gameplay, but it's pretty funny that, like, they... Is that what white people think, like, Spanish is? You just put a no in in behind everything and just it works out? Because sometimes I want to do that if I forget a word and I'm talking to my parents. I'm like... I'll just add a no in the end, and they'll know what I'm talking about. Mucho. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, I, I, there's some stuff I could say, but I don't know who listens to this, so I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Um, so let's get right into the gameplay. So Samba de Amigo, it plays similarly to Dance Dance Revolution, which... Mm. Uh, have you played that? I, You know what? I did, but I played this before I played that, so I don't know okay. what came first. You could tell me that this came first, and I'd believe you because I played it first. No, no, I, I'm I'm pretty certain DDR came out around the time of um, PS2, right? Maybe PlayStation. I don't recall. I mean, I'm not a DDR expert. I do have a I do have two dance pads though, but I hardly use them. Um, but in in my opinion, from what I've played of DDR, uh, Samba de Amigo is just a lot more intuitive, a lot more fun. Because my problem with DDR is that it's various directional arrows, but they're all moving upwards. And my mm. brain just, it's just not how my mind works. So if I see a, a, a arrow pointing down going up, I'm thinking up. If I see an arrow going like left, right, I'm not thinking left, right with my feet. Everything's just moving up and it just, it, it doesn't calculate. But what I love about Samba de Amigo is you see the blue dots and they appear from the center of the screen. They move outward in six directions. So you have two high, two middle, and two low. And all you got to do is shake high, shake middle shake low and then there's various you know things you can do and i didn't mention this in the notes you can do this too oh cross 
So the, the good old that you. I mean, that's if you're like super sick at the game, though. That's like when you're I playing am. the drumming in, in rock band. You see the guy twirl the the, the stick up. That's that's <laughs> it. Right? They're the two side ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as soon as you see the blue dot touching the spot, you just shake your maraca in that location. Sometimes you're going to have a long line of dots that will stream to one spot, and this has players prompted to shake in that location. Um, mm. Also, sometimes a stick figure whose name is in the Japanese version Pose-kun, or in the American version Pose, he appears on screen prompting players to strike a pose, and players must place their maracas in the designated areas. Um, you don't actually play as any of the characters, and I think this is something, even like wikis who I, I've used in the past, like Sega Retro and stuff... They get this wrong. You do not play as Amigo. He's just there performing. You're kind of performing along with the band. <laughs> I've and legit never seen someone so upset about this. You're like, you do not. It just not. bothers me. Well, I, it bothers me because when I read these things and people are like, oh, I'm an expert on Samba de Amigo. You play as Amigo. And I'm like, yeah, but then who's player two playing as? And they're like, uh, uh. Ami- amigo number two. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no. And then you might say, well, there is Amiga in version 2000. No, mm-hmm. she plays the uh uh what are those things? The uh the um, I don't know what they're called, but I know exactly. It's like tambourine. a little tr- there you go. Yeah. I was going to say so, um so you're playing in the band with Samba Amigo. You're you you are yourself. So people that want to be Amigo, they dream about being Amigo. No, sorry. You no. are still you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Thank you. So. <laughs> Sadly, you are still you in your So with what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on uh Samba de Amigo's approach to rhythm gameplay based on whatever you've played from other rhythm gameplays games? Uh super unique. Um I don't think I, I just don't think that there will ever be a studio that if they make a new rhythm game would be like we need to make a salsa video game. Uh mm. definitely it was very unique approach, even at the time, I would think. Like, is there any other game? Like, I know there was a, a, a game in Japan early on about drums, where you, all you did was drum in the arcades. I forgot what it was called. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, Drum Master or something. And heck, Oh, and then, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they've copied that, right? The U.S. has copied that. They've re- repurposed it to uh, play, you know, Rock Band or whatever, the drum section, right? That came out way later like maybe even a decade before it came out in Japan, and they just put American music. I just don't see anyone doing this with Samba de Amigo with maracas. Like I don't think there's like a huge right kid base in America. They're like, Dad, I really want to play maraca, but a rhythm game of maracas. So it's like I've never <laughs> thought I would want to play a rhythm game with maracas, but like it right. happened and it was fun. It's uh, <laughs> and I also think that the that the way they did, like you said, the uh, rhythm game. Um, the little menu they did is a lot easier on the eyes. Like, you see it and you know exactly how to play it, right? When you know the rules that you just have mm-hmm. to put your hands up. That's it. Everybody could do that. Uh, it's also a lot nicer for lazy people like me. So, like, you don't have to get up and, like, and like play guitar. I mean, not even the guitar. I'm saying, like, well, DDR. Like, you don't have to move your legs and, 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 like, get all sweaty. You could just chill and move your arms real quick. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think of a of it but like if you are confined to a wheelchair and you can only use your arms this is a much more friendly game than you know like ddr would be ddr you'd have to use a controller or an adaptive pad 
Um, so I mean, that's kind of a positive in that in that sense. Uh, but like you said, if you're lazy, you just <laughs> like, sit on the couch. Like, I like I've me. seen someone play Wii bowling in like an, a lounge chair. They roll back and they go, <laughs> and I'm like, that is the worst. Cheating the system, dude. Cheating the exactly. system. <laughs> um, so, as I mentioned, Samba de Amigo, it debuted as an arcade machine. We have some footage here if you want to bring that up. Um, oh, yeah. This is uh, from, what is it, Justin Masangi? Masango? Let, let, let me get this full screen for everyone watching on yeah. YouTube. And again, you can mute it if you want. Yeah. Um, but it just gives you an idea of what the arcade machine looks like. It looks like an insane like Las Vegas slot machine. Oh yeah, um, it does. It's orange. <laughs> it's bright. I love the orange on it though, man. Like it that's is really bright sick orange. orange. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. And it's just like massive large screen. You can kind of see the burn in from the player one uh, oh, yeah. on the other side. Um it's and this white is the version too. this is the version two thousand cabinet. I believe it was conversion. I I probably either to existing unsold ones so they could convert them or you could probably sell the conversion kit um, to, you know, whoever has one. I I can't imagine that they started producing new ones of this. No. With unique designs or something like that. But I I think it's a very beautiful cabinet, actually. Um, It's one, it's one of the handful of Sega games I really love to own the arcade original of. I think that would be an awesome one to have in the house. So um, this one, mm-hmm. like, did it get mass release in like America? Because like, me and you, we've seen a lot of Sega machines, right? We even seen the, we've even seen the rare F Zero one that people uh, talked about online. We've seen it in person, but I've never seen this arcade machine in America anywhere I've been. And I live in California, that's, and you live in the East Coast, right? So that's or, a good point. Me, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 that's a good point. Yeah, it uh, at least according to SegaRetro.org, it does have a a listing for the U.S., but there's no date, there's no price, um, Mm. and nothing really said about it. Having said that, I know people who have seen one in the U.S. The question is, is it all translated, or is it just an import that someone brought in going, oh, kids are going to love this crazy stuff? Um, Yeah. So, who knows? It, It seems like such a short window, though, between the arcade release and the home console one that I have to wonder if arcade owners were like, nah, like I've seen it for sale. You can get the whole thing for like 150 bucks. Like, why am I going to buy a massive arcade machine when I see kids playing it at home? Like they're not going to come here to play it. They have it at home. So, yeah, I, hmm. I would say that could be, uh, some like maybe it didn't take off as much as like DDR. I mean, it was competing against DDR at the time and right. that one was a massive game, uh, Back then, like you even see it in popular media all the time about people going out on dates and playing DDR with the with the girl, you know. Yeah, it's in um, Scott Pilgrim, right? Like yeah. it's like Ninja Ninja DDR. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and believe it or not, we're gonna end this episode with a Samba de Amigo parody that appeared in pop culture, so that'll be fun. Um, at around the time though that uh, Sega released this game. They were releasing a lot of very large and unique and undoubtedly expensive arcade machines. Um, For example, Brave Firefighters, which we'll never see a second talk episode, but I love talking about. um, That was released in 1999. It had a similar approach by giving players a gameplay experience that was basically one-to-one with a real-world activity. But instead of shaking maracas, you picked up a giant heavy fire hose and it had that little 
you know, pressure gauge and you put mm. out fires with it. Um, I, I believe too, that both brave firefighters and somebody amigo used similar tech just in terms of tracking a player's motion over a space. Um, but unlike Brave Firefighters, Samade Amigo very quickly saw a port to the Sega Dreamcast. And to do this, Sega did the unthinkable. They developed an expensive maraca peripheral for use only with Samade Amigo. And this brought the <laughs> arcade experience home. Unlike the arcade machine, which tracked the maracas from the screen to the player facing the machine, so you didn't have to worry about where you were standing um, mm. so much, Samade Amigo tracked the maracas from the floor facing upwards. So there were sensors on the floor, on the base, and then your maraca had a... Uh... Why am I talking about it? Let me you show have, you. You have like 100 maracas. I know you do. There it is. So your Ooh. maraca had this sensor here, which would then go over the base, which I have here. So it's like so, a huge version of like the Wii uh, motion sensing uh, device, but like you put yeah. it on the floor. Yeah, exactly. And the first the first party one, the Sega made one, I feel like has a better range. So you could stand over this and get a little off track, but it doesn't need to be dead on. Like it can, the other sensor can be like this, and it's going to be fine. It's when mm. you start dealing with the third party ones, which I'll start digging out in a second. Um, that you start getting trouble. Uh, and maybe that's why I have so many of them. I feel like people have given them to me because they're sick of their third-party Maraca controller. I don't mind because, you know, I just have the player two use it and they deal with it. It's fine. Um, that's true. But it's, it's interesting because Sega released the controller in-game outside of Japan, as I mentioned. But despite being built around the idea of using Maracas... 30,000 copies of the Dreamcast game were initially shipped to North America, but only 10,000 Maraca controllers. This is initially, so they might have put out more. But think of that. So that's 10,000 Maraca controllers. That's not even factoring in two players. Now, not everyone got two. I didn't get two. I only got one. But I can imagine there were people getting two. Let's say everyone got two. That's 30,000 copies of the game and only 5,000 people having a two-player player set. That's not, oh. that, that's not that good, is it? I mean, no. Um, however, I do not think they sold through the stock. Years after, I would see new Maraca controllers go up for sale. You don't see them anymore. They're used typically, but I, I would guess they probably sold through the 10,000 Maraca controllers maybe during sales as the Dreamcast was uh, on its way out. Um, even worse, o only 3,000 copies were set to be produced for the UK. And that while the Maracas were... Hmm? like it was shipped to fail in the UK. Like 3,000, that's like way less than Panzer Dragoon Saga got in America, which was like 30,000, and that game goes for like a gazillion dollars. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. So it, it did not seem like they really cared in the UK. Um, and you'll see why. Uh, well, the maracas were priced around 75 to $80 in Japan. And it was about that in America, too. In Europe, they sold for £100, which converts to much more. Which is like, I yeah. think, $120 or $130 bucks America. So not only is it harder to find them in Europe, but there's a premium on them. 
So that kind of sucks. They could have thrown in the game. Wouldn't that have been nice of them? Um, yeah, that, I mean, at least, Jesus. And that's that's the thing. And today, you can buy a set for about 100 bucks, so the price really hasn't changed too much. But I remember as a kid, I wanted Samba de Amigo, went to the store, and I was like, I want to get the game and the maracas, but doesn't the, doesn't the uh, maraca box come with the game? And they're like, no. And I'm like, then why is the game art, like, on the box? It looks like the cover art, you know? Um, they're like because it's the only game that uses maracas <laughs> yeah exactly so it's not like the uh, the classic dreamcast branding with just like black and the dreamcast logo no it's like a massive samba de amigo box i have it in my basement i didn't bring it up um but it's i mean i i think that's a misstep on sega's part i think they could have sold this easily for like 99.99 and include mm. the game with it rather than selling it for 80 bucks and then expecting people to drop like what uh the game sold for only 40 bucks in America so it was kind of it wasn't budget but it wasn't like 50 bucks full price like some yeah. of the games so you you consider 80 90 I mean 100, so, 120 like, bucks yeah like 120 bucks is not terrible but I think 99.99 would have been a really sweet price um, mm-hmm. I guess the question is then, if you want to buy a second set of maracas, can you buy it without the game? And then maybe that's where they started thinking, let's not bundle it. Um, I don't know. Problem. But uh, there was actually an interesting interview from the website, the Gaming Intelligence <laughs> Agency, the GIA. Wow. Uh, Big brains. Yeah, if you ever <laughs> search them out, uh, they're it's pretty dated. It's kind of funny. Um, but they did an interview with Sega of America's localization team, and they spoke about bringing the game to the West. So localization took four months with a few challenges given... Oh, sorry, with few challenges given the size of the game. When it came to marketing the game, Sega had this to say. A key element to the marketing plan for Samba de Amigo is sampling. We hope to get as many people as possible to play this game with the Maracas peripherals, and we feel that after their unique experience, they'll be hooked. Um, (laughs) Sega of America also executed an extensive Maraca promotion and giveaway on Sega.com. The goal was to get the Maracas in the hands as many people as possible. So it's like... They want to get as many people to own it as they could, so they did have a fair amount of numbers for sale, but their their answer was let's have a giveaway and i'm like i didn't win the giveaway did you win the giveaway <laughs> you know like <laughs> i don't know i yeah. i feel like if the goal was to get as many maracas into the hands as many people as possible bundle in the game and have it less than 100 hell they should have done like a dreamcast box set where you get the dreamcast console you get the maracas and you get the game for 250 i don't know or they could have done the whole like Choo Choo Rocket where they could have made or they could have just made the whole thing a like Sega Net promotion and like mm. kind of promote the idea that there's free DLC and songs that you'll be able to access through the internet would have been For a sick sure. one. Yeah. And apparently to Sega was approached they said Sega said they were approached by music artists who wanted to have their music included in the Western version. Um, but given the localization time, this was not possible. And I, I guess you kinda saw that with uh, Jet Set Radio. They included uh, Rob Zombie, Jurassic 5. So maybe they were hoping to do something like this. Honestly, though, I think it came down to America saying, oh, we want to add songs. And then Japan going, we have to then program 
four difficulty settings, um, and then all the mini games for these new songs. That's going to take too much time. When do you want to release this game? You know, and so <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's interesting, though, that version 2000 came out so quickly after. You'd think if Sega of America and Sega of Japan talked to each other a bit more, they could have maybe done a little joint release of version 2000 as the Samba de Amigo that came west rather than what they did. But what are your thoughts, George, on bringing Samba de Amigo, Maracas and all, to the Dreamcast? Do you think it was risky localizing the game and what are your thoughts on the availability? So, at this time, we didn't really have a set price on uh, accessories. I don't know if accessories were selling that well back then. I do recall that, like, one of my issues with buying this game was, like, all right, so you have limited money as a kid, right? And now mm-hmm. you have to buy a game and maracas for one game, while, like, something like a fight stick... Uh, would cost you about the, around the same price, but there was so many arcade fighters on the Dreamcast or, like, a racing wheel. There's a lot of racing games, and I just wish that Sega would have just, like, released 2000, made a bigger deal about supporting it long-term, because to invest in Maracas for people, you have to have that long-term support. I understand that it was, like, early in Rhythm Games, and they did support mm-hmm. it with some downloads, but, like, they dropped support so quickly for the game that I was actually kind of shocked at the time because, like, yeah. we never got 2000. We never – they if, if they wanted to make, like, artists, like uh, – I don't know. I know I know they used Jennifer Lopez for the Wii one. So if they wanted to use, like, big artists here like that, they mm. could have done a DLC and then re- do a re-release with 2000 with American songs or something, you know? they could Yeah, exactly. Like, Somebody Amigo USA or something like that, you know? yeah. That would have been interesting. Um, maybe do multiple releases, like do uh, just call it Samba de Amigo, Samba, the new Samba de Amigo version two two thousand, and then do like you. All you have to do is program the songs really to be rhythm games. So you could have just made them cheap games that you would release like twenty bucks, thirty bucks every every year, and I don't. Know, it would have made the accessories feel more worth it than just one release, you know, that it got. Um, that's, that's interesting. I, that would have been interesting if they did that back then. I feel like. Sega of America and Europe, especially Europe, didn't believe in this game for sure. Like, they they could have done something like Samba de Amigo and then do, like, Rock de Amigo. And you could do, like, alternate cover art where he's got, like, a nose ring. And then yeah. you could have, like, rock music with maracas. And I know that sounds stupid, but DDR's kind of stupid when you think about it. Like, who dances like that? No one. You know, there are kids yeah. who play DDR and then they're like, I'm going to go to the nightclub. I'm going <laughs> oh. to step forward. I'm going to step back. I'm gonna jump. Oh. I'm like, no, it doesn't Imagine work that way. <laughs> all the all the chicks in there, are like, oh my god, this guy plays DDR. Wow, so, look at his moves. This is the section of the show where I make a lot of clanky plastic noise. So we've got, oh. I've got a bin next to me. I don't even think it has all of the maracas I own. I actually think there's another set that I don't have in there. But essentially, this is the classic maraca. This is the one that came with the uh, the Sega Dreamcast, or not? This is the one that has the Sega Dreamcast logo on it. You can see it there wow. in the video version. And oh, yeah. uh, if you guys want to know the model number, it's HKT9700. Um, Why does everything I, start with HK with Dreamcast stuff? Have you noticed that? Is I that know, har- hardware? Something. I also I also noticed that like when I was doing the Photoshop for that Persona 4 Golden for Dreamcast that every Dreamcast game under the ESRB has a number on it and they have a yeah. unique number for each title. I don't 
I just made it six 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 sixty nine, obviously. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, there's uh, there's some interesting. If you follow Limited Run Games on Twitter, they sometimes talk about that whole thing and and why they do that. It's interesting. There's some cool behind the scenes stuff. Um, uh, as far as the maracas here, you can actually open them up and take the shaker out, so you can hear them. If you want to play at like, night, I should do ASMR. But you playing um, uh, Samba de Amigo? Samba de Amigo. So you got the two maracas. Oh man! And now it's 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 all. I'm I'm dead. It's attached to me. Uh oh. Um, you got the two maracas here that goes with that base, and then what's very helpful is the pad. So this is the... This is Big the old feet right there. Big old feet. With um, Dreamcast symbols in the middle. So, yeah. Uh, and then that Velcro's to the bottom of it. So that's that's very helpful. Now there are actually... And this is what really surprises me. There are a lot of third-party options. And, like, imagine the time that goes into that. I guess Sega made it, it possible to, like, emulate this technology very easily... Because as you can see here, I have the. That's it. What is this one called? This one's called I, King of King of Maracas, and it has like cute little puppy feet on it. Yeah, it's instead got like of puppy feet, feet, feet on the and it's on got the music mat. notes there. Um, but again, you know, you keep your feet firmly planted on that, and it's going to work just fine. I've got the. Uh, it's from the company Naki. So this never is the heard base of them. that goes with it, and then these are. The maracas. The sh- Ooh, oh, kinda... compare them. I mean, put shake the other one, the official one, and shake these. I need to hear the difference between right, these so two babies. Here you guys go. Dreamcast. Oh, that's Na- a nice sound. Naki. Too strong. Oh, it's too overwhelming. So, and I actually have a third set. It is um, very strange. So it's basically the sensor bar is this tiny little piece. And then it has two plugs, and then the sensors plug into the side. So it's almost like eye stalks coming out of it. Um, there is no mat, so you kind of have to just hope you're standing in the right place for the sensors to align. But the maracas um, light up. and <laughs> That's pretty sick. I think that one is called Cha-Cha Amigo. I have it Oof. in the basement in a massive dedicated box that looks like a knockoff Samba de Amigo box. I think I bought it in Chinatown. In Chicago, back when I was in school, um, the other one, these ones, I think, I think this came from like one of the Dreamcast junkyard guys. I don't know who, but I feel like they were like, "I need to get rid of this. Do you want it?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll take King of Maracas." That's so, <laughs> that's pretty <So> sweet. <laughs> how many third-party controllers do you think they've created? I mean, have you ever tried to like look up if you're missing any of the third-party Maraca controllers? I have not thought to um, <laughs> to look them up, but that is a good point. Uh, like I said, there's the Cha-Cha Amigo. There's the um, Samba Fans. So that's another one I see listed here. Um, but yeah, it's not really well documented. It's it's just the, the Cha-Cha Amigo is a popular one. Um, but I think King of, King of Maracas is my favorite. Favorite. I mean, uh, yeah. So, you know, I, the it, name. they didn't make that many, but I think a lot of people, I mean, myself included, picked up the official one and then down the line picked up a third party one for much cheaper because it's just, you're not always going to have a second player, but when you do, 
you know, you, you bring out the, the, the third party. I mean, at least it's not as bad as those Dreamcast third party pads that look like a dinner plate. Remember those ones? Mm, yeah. They were like, oh, it's so chunky. Um, <laughs> so, uh, getting back on track here. So let's talk about another way to control. So, of course, if you have, uh, you know, if you only have the game or if you have a second player who wants to play along but you only have one pad, you can actually play the game with the controller. So if you want to bring up the controls here, we can take I a got look it at up. that. Um, controls, as you can see here, uh, you can either... So it's kind of weird. You have to kind of mirror it on your thumbs. That's the best way to do it. Mm. However, you can play the full game on one controller, but as you can see here, you're going to be moving around a lot in one place. So I, ideally what you do is kind of like spread them out and put the left sides on the left side and the right sides on the right side. Um, I've seen various uh, like reviews saying that this actually makes it easier. I, I would you say, yeah, so? I guess... I, I guess it makes it easier, but I don't know. Like, it, once you really get into the rhythm of shaking the maracas, you know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, I mean, I guess so. I mean, technically, you could put, like, auto stuff on your light gun game or, like, have a thing where you press a button and it, it reloads your your, uh, your gun, right. like on House of the Dead 2. That would de technically make it easier, but would it make it less? But it also makes it less immersive. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. So yeah. So it's like, are you here to have fun, or are you here to make the game easy, dude? <laughs> exactly. It's like that. That's what you have to ask yourself. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's there. Um, it still works, but it's definitely not the ideal way. Um, now, as for the characters of the game, so. I wrote this section in our notes three times. First time I did it wow. just based on what they look like, because I'm like, I have nothing to say. Second time was, I should really do a deep dive, so I looked at, like, Samade Amigo fan wikis, which are written by, like, children. So, Ooh. those are kind of... <laughs> How do you know I, the children and not man-children? I mean, maybe man-children, <laughs> but they're badly written. And then I was like, man, I'm not going to find any information about Samade Amigo. Life sucks. And then I found mm, the Wii manual here, and I was like, what's going to be in the Wii manual? Nothing, I bet. This Turns is written out... by the guys that did... I mean, the Wii one was made by Gearbox, yeah. so not Sonic Team. Just want to say that before you say any lore. Because I don't want... I know Yuji Naka watches this podcast, and I don't want him to yell at us. I know he doesn't watch it, but... I, I will say, George, that I use the Google Translate app on version 2000, which actually does have character bios... And mm. I looked at the character bios in here, and there is a lot of similarities. I think this is a translation, at least for the character bios. But what's really surprising is there's a story. Look at that. So there's oh. there's the there's Amigo, a poor Amigo. He can't afford a maraca. Poor so guy. I'm going to read this. I think it's pretty cool. This is uh, very exciting for everyone listening to the podcast. And honestly, I think it's an exciting time for just people in general to be alive as I as I read this. Um, Amigo the monkey was from a not-so-wealthy family of the rural mountains. One day, when Amigo was on his way downtown to, for errands, he encountered something that would forever change his life. It all started in front of the window of one of the only musical instrument shops in town. Amigo asked the shopkeeper, as he gleefully stared at the bright red maracas, Mister, could I shake them? 
could I? The shopkeeper reluctantly allowed Amigo to shake the maracas. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing a kid's channel now. Um, yeah. And this instantly triggered a burning sensation that he had never experienced before. Samba, amigo, this is awesome. With these maracas, I'll be able to support my family for sure. A couple of weeks later, he made his decision to leave his comfortable home. After becoming a huge success and earning the title of Grand Maracas King, Amigo returned Whoa. to his hometown in the rural mountains. Amigo is still a little boy after all, and everybody needs their families. One day, a loud bang is heard in the mountains. The sound came from an airship modeled in the shape of Amigo's face, and it stopped right in front of Amigo's house. Suddenly, Amigo's little sister, Amiga, a celebrity in her own right, appeared. After their loving reunion, Amigo grabbed Amigo, Amiga grabbed Amigo <laughs> and took him on board, and they quickly jetted off to one of the biggest cities known as Maraca City. I want to dance with you, big brother, said Amiga. The music started suddenly, without any warning, but Amigo quickly caught the groove, kickstarting the first ever live performance of the brother and sister super duo. Oh my god. What do you Ooh, think I'm, about I'm, I, I, I'm tearing up. That's Gearbox, that's man. Love. This is Gearbox. <laughs> this no. I Gearbox I, <laughs> just translated it. I mean, I was at the event for the Wii game when they did it and <clears throat> at least when Sega showed it off to the uh, audience uh -huh. and um I think a lot of people. I don't know. What's your opinion? I mean, I mean, we're we gonna have a section for the Wii version. Oh I'll hell yeah! Wait. Hell yeah! Okay, yeah. I'll wait. I'll wait for um, everything on this story. But yeah, I'm gonna that I'm gonna blast through the characters real quick. I'm okay. not gonna read all of them, but I will say. So amigo, like you saw, there's actually a whole story of him, Prince. You know, from pauper to prince. You might think maybe they made that up for this. I will say though, when you play the game, you do see images of him like sweeping the floor without a hat. He looks like a peasant. So mm. I really think. The story mode is pretty much the challenge mode, which I'll talk about in a little bit, where Amigo works his way up from a pauper to, like, the Maraca King. So that's that's kind of the story right there. It's just the problem is they don't put it anywhere except in the Wii manual. Um, Amiga is his sister, so it's not his girlfriend. You know, it's not like I, I, and Mimi that actually, like, had a baby. Um, Damn perverts. Yeah, right? Like... <laughs> Really? Let them, um, <laughs> they have the same uh, name, just they just changed it, the sex on it. From like, what I've seen, though, uh, <laughs> she um, she likes to collect hair accessories. That's according to the the Japanese manual here. And Amiga um, wears a uh, lucky charm, which is a pink flower. There's Linda, who's a butterfly uh, salsa dancer or samba dancer, and apparently she's a school teacher as well. Um, and this is Ooh. where I knew that they got a translation of version 2000 here because it says to remain in tip top shape, she is currently dieting on veggie sticks. And when I read this Bro. one, veg vegetable stick appeared. So, <laughs> um, there's also bingo and bongo, which are two giant bears, which are controlled by tiny teddy bears. I and like, those are my favorite characters. That should be our name, Wamba and Chamba. <laughs> you mean Wamba? No, I'm talking about Bingo and <laughs> no, Bongo. Oh, oh, you're talking about Bingo and Bongo. Sorry, my bad. Sorry. But uh, that's pretty much, but they do like to eat uh, marshmallows. Um, Chamba oh. and Wamba 
that's the guys yeah. I like. I think we should be them. Um, <laughs> so this, again, this is some pretty cool lore. Chumba was the former boss of a street gang who turned his life around to become a mandolin player. Wamba owns a bar where Chumba frequently hangs out and he turns into a different kind of, kind of cheetah when he stands in front of a set of congas. During the daytime, Wamba is happy to serve up a refreshing... This is where they changed it. So Chumba and Wamba in the Japanese one like to eat cactus steak and bourbon. In the, oh. in the English one, they like tropical smoothies and pistachios. So. Well, I mean, I would take the pistachios and leave it on for me, you know, and mm. the, maybe the bourbon. So we Have just you had cactus? Pistachio? I like cactus, cactus steak. I like. I cactus. do like cactus. I mean, I mean, there in 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 Mexican in Mexican lore, there's a, a lot of names for cactuses right. <laughs> in Mexican lore. So yeah, my family eats cactus. I grew up. Uh, I like it with uh, you know tacos, but like I don't like it by itself. I, I always hated growing it up. Like my my parents always made it, but I I'll eat it with beans and like an actual dish. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm alright, but not by itself. No way. And no bourbon. I'm not, Oh, I mean, a little bit. Just when I was a kid. Now I'm as an adult. I'm not that into bourbon. Now, but, um, <laughs> I want to talk about Rio. This is the last one. Not Rio Hazuki. This is R-I-O. Oh, the um, real one. So I thought Rio was a, a girl. Like a female it is a character. Girl, right? No, it's a male. So, in again, in well, version 2000, hell, dude. the loose translation said that he may appear feminine, but he's very masculine. But in hmm. this... They just say, they don't play that up so much. They just say that he's an all-around good guy. He likes chasing his dreams. However, uh, one very interesting fact is he eats onion rings every morning for good luck. I'm... <laughs> I okay. love it, dude. I love the little silly things they add. I didn't know it was, I actually thought it was a guy, too. I mean, I understand it's like back in, what, 99 when they wrote this? So it's mm-hmm. like... I think Japan, even though they're like more conservative, you know, when it comes to their like uh, everything, they've always had this like anime and like uh, like even in early animes where they have cross dressers and they're just like fine with it, like it's not a big deal. So yeah. I'm not that surprised that they did something like this here. Uh, it is it is interesting though. The Japanese ones like he looks like a girl, but he's super manly, and then the American <laughs> ones just like he's a cool guy. So I mean, I cool guess good on also, good on America for not playing that up, but. Shame on them for removing cactus steak and bourbon with mm, tropical smoothies course. and pistachios. So you know we've got we've got those people on on Twitter like Persona Sama talking all about this deep fantasy zone lore, but here we've got the Samba de Amigo lore. So that's that's what I've got. Um, so uh, what are your thoughts on the characters, and do you think their designs are like? Sonic Team approved? Do you think they look like they fit in well with like Sonic Adventure, Billy Hatcher, and who's your favorite? I think you said Chumba Wumba, right? Yeah, because it's like uh, the the band. So um, mm-hmm. no, I like I do I do like the they're, they're cool. I really love the this like aesthetic for this world that they chose. I mean, we've even talked about it being our review. Uh, uh, pictures or images that we have mm-hmm. uh, early on on the site. It's one of those characters that I feel like kind of like isn't talked about. In, like when you think of Sonic Team and you ask people, hey, uh, what Sonic Team game do you want a sequel to? They're not going to be like, oh, yeah, Samba de Amigo. It's most likely like, 
you know, oh, I want a new Billy Hatch or Sonic Riders or uh, what is another one that I hear a lot? Sonic um, Battle. It, Sonic Battle, yes, exactly. So to me, it's like, I don't know if they're, like, this is a unique little slice. And I'm actually, four ninety nine. that's a good price for it. Yeah, right. I, I was going to say, uh, I'm actually shocked that Sega tried to bring it back during the Wii era, even though it made sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really loved that. My favorite part is the character designs. I think, uh, what's the name, did a great job. Uh, I think this was when Sonic Team was like, in the height when it comes to their art, because they did Fantasy Star Online, they did this, they did, they did the new look for Sonic uh, Adventure. So they had, like, this real different aesthetic. Like, I wouldn't say these, like, blend in together, but you could kind of tell that it was him now that you look at the thick lines he used. For sure. And Sonic Adventure uses it. Yeah, so... But what do you... What do you who's your favorite character, and what's your thoughts on the design for this game? I, I think I'm going to go with the classic Amigo... I like his uh I like his face. I like how his teeth it's kinda like Dr. Eggman classic teeth where they just kinda like bleed mm. into his face. Um I think he's a very fun, expressive, quirky character. I like him even more knowing his backstory. I wish they played that up more in the game. Like I said, uh, you know, you can see him sweeping and stuff. I kinda picked up on some sort of like rise to stardom, but I just I feel like if they just had a quick thing going, Amigo the monkey um, you know, just got his first set of maracas. Let's make him a maraca king and shoot him to stardom. Join his band like that. That wouldn't make like make the game any different than it ended up being. But I, th- I think it would have helped. Um, you see a lot of like TV production stuff going on. Um, if you look in the manual, it says pose show, which makes me wonder mm. if they are like performing for a TV show called Pose Show. And Pose is the host. It's very strange. So there's 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 lore there. Um, I think it could get fleshed out in a sequel, but I like it. I like the characters. But I think the big thing is you get ready for the main event. We're gonna talk this is gonna be a four hour episode. No, I'm just kidding. But- um <laughs> So well past Sega Talk episodes we cover like stages or important story moments. Being a music game, we need to discuss the music. So I'm gonna quickly run through the track lists for the arcade console original version 2000 and Wii version and we can discuss the tracks highs and lows and our favorites so uh, I'm gonna pop open the Sega fandom wiki <laughs> I don't know they just they had Ooh. everything here so I, I figured I'd go with it um it's uh it's an all right wiki it's just weird because sometimes they miss a lot of stuff and I'm like that's not that's not right randomly but I covering Sega is hard you know there's a lot of stuff to cover but yeah for sure so they they list out here, um, it's kind of handy, so it shows ga- songs that were not included in the original Japanese home release due to rights issues. They were, however, included in the English release and in version 2000. So that's interesting. So I guess I'll denote those. And then neither of these songs were included in the English release or in version 2000. Um, I guess I'll denote those too. So there was uh, Al Campais del Mambo or Mambo Beat by... Perez Prado. There's The Cup of mm. Life by Ricky Martin, which was not included in the original Japanese home release. There's El Ritmo Tropical, or El Bimbo, by Dixie's Gang. There's La Bamba, oh. La Bamba classic, by Richie <laughs> yeah. Valens. Uh, yeah, it's a classic. <laughs> Live in La Vida Loca, by Ricky Martin, and that was also not in the Japanese home release initially. Um, 
We have Lovelies by Masao Honda. Mm. Uh, a classic, Macarena by Los Del Rio. Do you know ma- how to do the Macarena? I can't hear you. Oh, yeah, I know the Macarena. Of course, dude. Good, good. Because, like, when you when we were growing up, like, everyone was uh, doing the Macarena. Remember, it was like a nationwide sensation for some yeah, reason. Wait, Watching wait. a bunch of, like, old boomers trying to... Look, I like Mexican people. I do the song. And it, like it was dated by this point, I feel. So it was yeah. kind of like a novelty song to add to it. Um, and then we have Mas Que Nada by Jorge Ben, which I love mm. that song. I, I think I have a 45 of it. Um, and it's really unfortunate because this song is not in the English release or in version 2000, which means if I want this song or I believe El Mambo uh, by Solemar, I need to import the original Samba de Amigo, which I might be doing after we talk. Um, <laughs> Samba de Janiero uh, by Bellini. Samba de Amigo, which is Samba de Janiero 2000. It's a Bellini remix of Samba de Janiero by PKG Production. And this is kind of the theme to Samba de Amigo, I guess you could say, though. Samba de Janiero is basically the the theme as well. It's just a remix that throws in Samba de Amigo. Um, Soul Bossa Nova by Quincy Jones, which is pretty cool. That's a good one. That's um, Austin Powers' that theme one. song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Quincy Jones is the father of Rashida Jones from uh, from all those comedy shows. We have Take On Me from Real Big Fish, which is a cover of the song by Aha. That's probably a favorite of mine. There's Tequila by The Champs, which is Pee Wee Herman's favorite song. We have The Theme of Enoki, or Ali Bambaye, by Michael Masser, which we'll talk about in a bit. And then we have Tub Thumping by No Smoking, which is a cover of the song by Chumbawamba. So that, that's that's the first game. Chumbawamba. What, what do you think Sorry. about that list? Um... It's interesting because, you know, growing up, like I told you, I was like so, you know, stuck on just certain types of music that this kind of like opened me up to being able to like listen to new type of music. Like you would never, I would never admit to anyone at school that I listened to, uh, I was playing maracas to uh, Ricky Martin's (laughs) music, but like, of course I would do it. And of course I enjoyed myself. I mean, the game was so engaging that it kind of made me open my mind. Like you said, you think you would ever listen to Mas Que Nada if it wasn't for the fact that uh, you listened to it in the in this game. Like, would you have? I. It's hard to say because in, I would say in 99, around that time, I was getting really into Brazilian music. Um, a friend of mine was really into drum and bass and he turned me on to some drum and bass uh, tunes from Brazilian artists that use samples from Brazilian classics. And they had these vinyl sets, which were, um, I forgot what they were called, but they were basically music compilations of songs that were being sampled by these big drum and bass producers and I was kind of like more into those. Like I was like, I love these like classic original tracks and I also enjoy the remixes, but like, give me more of that. So I have CD burn CD after burn seat data CD of like, just like Brazilian music. And I've got tons of it on my uh, computer here. So when this so game came this, out, they, yeah, you were already kind of like well-versed in some of this music. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was pretty well-versed and there was kind of like some weird crossover. So I was like, 
oh, so this is not original Sega music. Like, n- hardly any... There, it's not like we have, like, a, a Hideki Naganuma that people are like, oh, I love your work. Like, no one's going to be messaging <laughs> them because it's... Really, there's no one here from uh, from Sega who really put their mark on it. In fact, I don't think anyone here is from Sega. It's all covers what? or classics. You know, I mean... Who is the Wavemaster one? I mean, Isn't wa- that, like, a Sega studio? But, like, it's kind of like... They don't really, like, sound like themselves, technically, so... Right. It's not like they have any... Like, if I listened to this whole soundtrack and you told me, the Wavemaster music's actually within Sega, I would be like, I, I, it doesn't sound like any Sega soundtrack right. I've ever heard in my entire so there, life. So there are a lot of covers. Um, Ricky Martin's a sound-alike. That's not actually Ricky Martin, so... Oh. I, I believe so. I could be wrong, but go back and listen to some of these. Some of these are, are obvious originals. Other ones are very clearly, like... Uh, studio remakes um either done faster they infuse a little bit of samba to it um now moving into version 2000 so this one added a lot of songs i don't believe it dropped any i could be wrong but here's what they added so we had bambaleo from the gypsy kings (laughs) (laughs) i like that one um cha-cha cuba from matt bianco we have joby joba Joby Joba by the Gypsy Kings. Uh, Games People Play by Inner Circle, which is a very non-samba song. You know, talking about you and me and the games people play, you know. Um, This one I love. The theme of Rocky, Gonna Fly Now by Bill Conti. Hot, Hot, Hot by Arrow. Mambo de Verano by the very Hispanic (laughs) Masaru... Setsumaru. <laughs> I'm trying to look for it. I can't find it here, but uh, I'm the, I have a list open. Sorry, I can't oh, help okay. you here. Um, there's Salome by Cayenne or Cheyenne. SOS, The Tiger Took My Family by Dr. Bombay. <clears throat> Mucho Mambo I, I, Sway by Shaft. Mm. Uh, tout Tout I, Por Machete by M- Michel Ponares. Ooh, that was very French. Uh, Vamos a Carnival by Tomoko Sasaki and Naofumi Hataya. Are they are they from Sega? They could be. Tomoko... I, I'm not, I, my list that I have open doesn't have 2000, so let me Oh, okay. That's it. okay. Um, well, I'm almost done with them. Volar by the Gypsy Kings. Volar. You know. Um, and yeah. then Wedding March by Felix Mendelssohn, which is basically the wedding song. You know, da, da, mm. da, 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 da. So, uh, <laughs> you think a lot of this stuff was just like open source music where they're like royalty free, like YouTubers do? It could be. I, I think Wedding March was included because in version 2000, the love mode was applied to every mode. So I think, I think they were hoping people would propose with this game. I really do, and I have to wonder if someone did you, proposed. Uh, did you propose to your wife like this, with yes. this song? And she's like, yeah, she's like, I went. no. And then you had to try again with a different song? <laughs> I just did that. I oh, just do that. that's it. Yeah, that's all that's you gotta it. do. Um, <laughs> so that's that's what version 2000 added. And then finally we have the Wii version of the game by Gearbox. Uh, mm-hmm. it, uses, it features nearly every song from the original game. Nine new modes, cameos from Sega characters. We'll get into all that, but let's talk about of the course. music. So, I gotta be honest, their music editions, like, suck. 
and yeah, I kind of it, it it definitely it definitely doesn't uh like feel like some of these artists should have even been in here. Right. There's some artists that like I fucking despise that are in here because I just don't like them as a person like delight. So I'll just let you go through it. Yeah, so what what we got here we have um Are You Gonna Be My Girl from Jet. I want candy <laughs> from Bow Wow. Uh, Mambo Mambo from Lou Bega. Good addition, I would say. Yeah, that is that one's good. Uh Love Shack from the B fifty twos. I mean good song, but I mean, I don't know. <laughs> uh Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. Can't Stop by Ozo Motley. Jerk It Out by the Caesars. Mickey by Tony Basil. Rockefeller Skank by Fatboy Slim. And and like you said, D Light was in there, wasn't wasn't they? Wasn't they? Weren't yeah. they? Um Groove my, is in the heart. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The... Uh so Groove is in the Heart. I'm trying to remember what the other ones were. It looks like that list was not uh um, I have some here. I mean, they did uh, Do It Well, Jennifer Lopez, oh, uh, yeah. Smooth, Santana, mm-hmm. uh, Ponte Replay, Rihanna. Yeah, yeah. Th- those were all the DLC songs, I believe, I listed. So oh, okay. the, the additional ones included like Baila May, Papa Loves Mambo, which is an excellent one, Mambo Number 8. I could go on. There's actually a lot of them here. Um, yeah. But it's just, there's some some great additions, some questionable additions. Uh, <laughs> I I got a real kick I, out of Delight being in it just because our own history with her and her saying that she killed Ulala and Ulala is not coming back, <laughs> and it's like, dude, when like they used we your literally music, just had a VR. Ulala danced to your music in Samba Yeah, idiot. Yeah, she forgot about that. Uh, she just saw the paycheck. So what's what's your favorite track out of all of these? Uh, Jed, are you going to be my girl? Because it's the most Samba song mm. of all time. Now, uh, I, I like the Mambo number five. Like, uh, you know, they brought it back. Mm-hmm. I don't know about like favorite music. Like I told you at the time, like uh, I wasn't too much into salsa music. So I like, it's not something that I remember from the game. I just remember enjoying the gameplay aspects of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you think would be the quintessential Samba de Amigo song? If you had to pick one, like... To have somebody play it. I would say Samba de Janeiro from Bellini. I feel like that's mm. kind of the theme of the, the game. And then, of course, there's the remix, um, which also works really well. I would say, though, if if you like some of the weirder ones, I actually did a, a, uh, some light research. We're not going to cover every, sing- every song. We're just going to cover, I believe, uh, three or four of them a here few. real quick. So... Um, Feel free to play the music or not. I, I put the links in here, but I got to wonder if we're going to get hit with copyright strikes. Um, That's what I was wondering too. So, I think we could do. I think we could do a few seconds, like thirty seconds. It's like, but I'll do fifteen. I'll do ten seconds, and then in the middle of the song, so f- introduce the first song we're going to be playing. So we're going to be playing Samba de Janeiro from Bellini. <laughs> So, um, that's the track. <laughs> so that's essentially the the game's main theme. Believe it or not, though, this very Brazilian tune was actually released by a German pop group called Bellini in 1997. The track was a hit in Europe, hitting number one in Hungary. It uses the chorus from 
Erto Moreira's 1972 song Tombo in 7-4 and drum samples from Morera's Celebration Suite. The song was featured in 2008's uh, European Football Championship after every goal and appeared Ooh. in several DDR games as well as Just Dance 2021. So, so this was a jam- this was a, a big hit for the, <clears throat> the group. Yeah. And I mean, man, if I ever made a band, mm-hmm. I would love for them to use my music in sports. Like, that's when you know you made it big, right? When they're playing your track. Oh, for at, sure. At, like, a sporting event. Oh, for sure. And I, I wonder, 2008, that's when the Wii one came out. Maybe there was some cross... I don't mm. think so. Um, <laughs> that, that, so it's interesting, though. You know, relatively new group, 1997, given this game came out in, what, 1999? Um, mm-hmm. It also is interesting, huge hit in Europe. However, the game itself, Samba de Amigo, did not get a big European launch, which seems like a misstep. Like, you'd think someone's not using their mind, their brain, you know. Um, I'm not I'm not a big expert in Sega Europe at the time. You know, uh, I know there's a lot of people like the Dreamcast Junkyard that covers a lot of the uh, aspects of the Dreamcast during this era. But, like, do you think that, like, Sega of Europe was just fucking crap back then. Like, were they not just not good at publishing? Were they like dabbing themselves? I have to it felt wonder. Like that... Yeah, I, I really have to wonder because those those like you mentioned those Dreamcast junkyard guys, which apparently I'm one of them. Uh, yeah, you're one of them. <laughs> apparently, I was talking about you. I don't know. Um, I have <laughs> to wonder. Like, I know you guys love the Dreamcast, but like, did you really like Sega at the time? Were they all that great? Like, I don't know. It, it just seems like every time we talk about. Dreamcast in Europe, it's always like, oh, this game didn't come out there. This game came out late. This game didn't get a big marketing push. I mean, you can make, you know, dirty ads and, you know, be all in your face. But end of the day, like, how did they actually treat the players and and the customers? I have to wonder. It's like, you know, when the Sega Saturn was out in America, I mean, we were treated like trash here. and You know, so like, right. to me, when the Dreamcast came out, it was such a huge change in like how they, you know, they treated fans. So I, I don't know. It's interesting. If you're from Europe during this era, I would, we would love to hear about that. For, for sure. sure. For sure. Uh, let's blast through these other songs. I know we've got some fun mm-hmm. gameplay stuff to get to. Uh, so we have Tout Tout Pour Ma Cherie by Michel Polnareff. So you want to play and a little... And the song's only like, uh, like one minute and 40 seconds, so yeah. I'll play a little bit of Check it. Check out the album art, too, if you want to pop that up there. Pretty sick. Yeah. I, I... Yeah, the box... Uh, did they release, like... I wonder, like, if, if it's possible to do a vinyl of this, but, like, wouldn't you have to go through all the artists and, like, give them their share, their pay for their tracks? No, I don't think an, I don't think a vinyl for Samba de Amigo is ever happening. At most, maybe a single. Like, they would talk someone into putting one track. But That's uh, what I was, think, I I mean, was thinking the other day, like, uh-huh. there's so many Sega games where it would be a headache, right? Like, Crazy Taxi, Jet Set, even some Jet Set Radio music. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, like you see uh, here, so this song was from the French singer-songwriter Michel Polnareff, who was famous from the mid-60s to the early 90s. He's still alive, but retired, I assume. Uh, he released mm-hmm. this track in 1969, and apparently it became big in Japan. Uh, there are Japanese 45 singles, like I have the picture of there, 
and TV appearances, including this one from 1979. I just wanted you to see just a few, a few, a little bit of it. Like you see the lady presenting it. Uh, in which one? Uh, which? Oh, are we? I mean, are we looking at a window? I'm, it's a I'm video. Not, uh, it's like the the. What's it called? The video. Um, it is called Michel Polnareff Tout Tout Moshiri Jap Japan TV Spot, nineteen seventy nine. Uh oh. Oh. Can you send me the link real quick? Because I don't think I have it. Oh, that's. Uh, I mean, people can look it up if they want to. It's okay. fine. Right. Um, but it, Sorry, it's essentially a very like seventies. Japanese like TV set and he's playing it live and everyone's really into it and they're like doing a little dance um, so you can check that out it's a 1979 live performance my only guess is that the song was popular enough in Japan that the developers included it either out of nostalgia or they just thought like let's put a fun quirky edition in there I'll admit that this is the track I probably played the most in the game and the one that I can, 100, I can 100% on the uh, hardest setting so you know like it's like it gets crazy like and i can do it um theme of anoki or ali bombaye by michael masser let's uh play a little bit of that got it um let me fast forward to the this is like a that reminds me of something that would play in a weird, like, 70s, 80s movie. Yeah, it's um, it's very Rocky, like Rocky mm-hmm. the, the movie. And the reason for this is, so the song was originally composed for the 1977 film The Greatest, which is a biographical sports film about the life of boxer Muhammad Ali, and Muhammad Ali plays himself. Um, Ooh! <laughs> And uh, strangely enough, this theme song was modified to be the theme song to the wrestler Antonio Inoki, a, a Japanese wrestler. So Masser, a Jewish man from Chicago, went on to write uh, songs for Whitney Houston, Diana Ross, and many other superstars. Inoki, actually, the Japanese wrestler, actually fought Ali in 1976, a year before this movie came out. Um I presume Inoki is the reason for this inclusion, though nothing of the song's background has any, you know, like samba connections. Um, mm. It's it's weird because like <laughs> this dude fights Muhammad Ali. A year later, Muhammad Ali has a movie with this song as his theme song, and then this Japanese wrestler takes the theme song, which has Ali's name in it, as his own theme song. I don't know. Seems kind of shitty, <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then they call it theme of Inoki. Like it's the first thing it says. It doesn't say Muhammad Ali's movie theme. Uh, anyway, the Wii port of the game actually includes a very cool behind the scenes bonus video of wave group, which is not wave master. It's wave group. Um, I totally do not believe type of wave. they are, they are not owned by Sega to my knowledge. Uh, they were located in Fremont, California and they specialized in audio post-production and sound. Wave Group worked on music for Beatmania, Guitar Hero, Rock Band, and DDR. So they had their hands in all of those rhythm music games. And I just wanted to play, like, not even a few minutes. Just you could skip through and get an idea of how these guys operated. So let's take a look at just how much work goes into the covers 
of the popular songs used in these dance rhythm games. And you can let me know when you're done playing it. Oh, yeah, I'm playing it right now. Cool. So it's like these guys did all the singing and everything in studio. So these guys were basically covering other people's music. Is that what they were doing for the yeah, game? Yeah, for a majority of the tracks in the, the new tracks in the Wii version. Yeah. Okay, I think I, I've seen this guy before somewhere. They, I don't know where. Yeah, they might have re-recorded some tracks too. I could be wrong, but in this video, and it's like a five-minute thing you guys can find on YouTube. Uh, it's called uh, Samba de Amigo, We Behind the Scenes. Yeah. So I'm just skipping through it for people, but yeah, it's like... it's it, You know, this is something you don't really think about when it comes to these games. You just think like... Just put the <laughs> just put the MP3 on there and uh, shake your hands. But no, but, I mean, like when I actually saw the like uh, Rockstar or whatever, like when they they have to literally sometimes if you can't get the masters, you have to re-record everything. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's just okay. interesting that they like uh, actually put all of this effort into it, and it's cool. It actually makes me appreciate the Wii version a lot more. Um, maybe that's, oh, yeah. maybe that's why they included it. Um, I think so too. So, <laughs> I think so too. uh, moving on here, when Samba de Amigo came to the Dreamcast, not only did it bring new music, but it also brought new modes. So in addition to the mm-hmm. arcade mode, the game included original mode, challenge mode, party mode, training mode, and internet access. Arcade <laughs> mode and original mode are essentially the same, though arcade mode basically emulates the arcade experience complete with the music selection. Original mode, we meanwhile, features tunes earned in challenge mode and tunes ta- downloaded from the internet. So both modes have easy, medium, and hard difficulties, but there is a fourth hidden difficulty called super hard mode, which is accessed Ooh. by shaking the left maraca in the high position 15 times. So imagine... Can, uh, <laughs> why why would you hide that though? Like through a uh, having to. Uh, well, that's that's Morocco, the question right? I actually have here. Like, why would you hide super hard mode? Why why isn't that weird? Be- um, yeah, I don't know. Like at that point, why don't you just hide a bunch of random stuff, like debug stuff? Like in, if you hit the the Morocco low, you could actually play as a uh, different character, Chamba and Wamba, <laughs> and then uh, the music's just. Toned de- differently, like they're drunk, so everything's just to- pitched up. All the sound, right? I don't know. I mean, at this point, you might as well just done went crazy on the uh, unlocking. As far for super hard mode, why it was unlocked, I- I'll just say it's because you had to earn it. <laughs> I don't know. Dude. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it is weird. It, it, yeah. It seems like a mode that should appear once you complete like all three modes, but instead, just locking it away like that seems kind of strange to me you have to do that 15 shakes every time it's a headache i like doing super hard mode it is like it says super hard but it's a fun challenge Mm. um these modes that i mentioned they are one player or two player and sonic fans should feel at home with the scoring system and knights fans i will say because it uses points and a letter ranking system and uh, I wanted to mention here, so Segabits, we use a letter scoring system, too, when we do our do reviews. We? Oh, nobody told me this. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I knew that. Uh, and we use Amigo in the icons. In this art, 
Oh yeah, like we've had this since like the site started up. Pretty much, yeah. This art uh, was made by Segabits community member Rad Rappy, better known as Matt Braley, the creator of Disney's Amphibia. And I remember very early on, I think it was like 2010, you were like, hey, this guy did these drawings of Amigo. <laughs> I'll send you the files. Can you put them with like letter grades? So... It's kind of cool now he, that well, it's kind of cool now. I he can, asked me, huh? He asked me like he 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 came up to us on the site and said he wanted to help and he said if we needed any art to ask him. Mm-hmm. So I told him I needed uh, art for this and uh, I told him can you just do amiibo with expressive faces? I think it was him or me that said it. And then it was up to you to do the graphic design work around yeah, it. Yeah, so it's kind of cool that I got to <laughs> collaborate with uh, with Matt before he went on to bigger and better things. But I wonder. Does that like still stand? Can we be like, hey, can you draw Opa Opa for us? <laughs> you know, I, I I don't know. It's funny though because uh, one time like after he it was before this, but it was like I think he was working at DreamWorks mm-hmm. or something. He uh, messaged me on like uh, on I think it was Hangouts. It was that long ago, you know, when that was a thing. Yep. And he he told me he wanted to update him because he thought he did he he could draw better, and he thought that the art was like too low resolution. And uh, we just never got around to it. I mean, the guy's obviously busy. <laughs> Producing a TV show, <laughs> You know, all show, the work right? he's done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, uh, moving back to the gameplay, I just thought it'd be fun to talk about that. Um, you are not allowed to pause the game unless you want to start over. Do you think this seems fair? I think this is fair. What? I mean, it is fair because technically you could pause the game and be like, all right, catch my breath. Or you could like do one section really good and then like, Press pause and then go take a dump and, you know, get yourself all relaxed. You got to do it live, right. dude. You got to do the whole song live. Right. So I kind of agree with you there. But for people like uh, that like safe scumming and like being cheaters and like safe states, not good for them. Mm-mm. But for us, it's fine. Um, True Maraca can Yeah, I mean, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I guess it seems fair. It's fair. Uh, challenge mode. It presents players with a set of challenges with the goal being to become the Maraca King. Titles are we all want to be. by clearing a set of challenges. Samba appears to make his way from like a janitor to a king in the art as you move from <laughs> beginner to king. Challenges are um, pulled from arcade original and mini games. So, for example, you would complete a song with a rank of C or better, like as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, party mode offers two player modes that include battle, couples, and mini games. Battle sees players collecting bombs as they play and then attacking the other player with them. So kind of think of like Puyo Puyo, where the better you do, mm. then the, 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 what are they called? The white Puyo, the garbage Puyo or whatever they call them. Oh, uh, yeah, they're called garbage Puyo. Yeah, yeah, they're called like has-beans yeah. in Mean Bean, but they drop down. And, oh, okay. And so it's kind of like that, but if has you... Been. <laughs> Has been. <laughs> um, if you do, if you do poorly, your bomb blows up on you. Uh, then there's also couples mode, which is my favorite. It gives players a love rating, showing how compatible they are. And hilariously, Ooh. the manual actually says this. It says, um, if you play in one player mode against the CPU and your love rating, um, will. So basically, it says if you play against the CPU. Your love rating will show uh, how much you love your Dreamcast. So 
they were like, well, if you're playing against no one and it's the Dreamcast <laughs> and you fall in love, I guess you love your Dreamcast. Um, so, it's true. That's funny. Anyway, many games include guacamole, 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 which is a guacamole, guacamole. guacamole. But it's but it says guaca like guacamole. Guaca, yeah. yeah. Which is a whack-a-mole game. Yeah. Power Rush, where you break rocks with your shaking. One, two, samba, Ooh. where you hit as many plates in order as possible while avoiding bombs. Strike a pose, where you strike as many poses as possible. And Monkey See, Monkey Do, a Simon Says game, which goes up to ten moves that you must remember. And then finally, there is a training mode, which you play the game with without it ending. Um if you are getting an F ranking. So basically it's like, it doesn't punish you. You could play horribly the whole game and it wouldn't, it wouldn't do a game over. Um, Samba de Amigo for the Dreamcast added a lot to the game, but do you think it was enough? Uh, you know what? That, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say it. I think it more content. They could like, I, when I was playing the game, like I always thought little like mechanics they could have done. Like, Stuff like changing the sound of the of just like maybe the maraca sound depending on <clears throat> your upgrades within the game, you know, like little things like that. I mean, that's more modern game design now because you know uh, studios have the ability to you know learn from other studios. But this was early on in rhythm mm-hmm. games, so I would say it's a lot more than a lot of other games I I played uh, during this time. And I I didn't play too many rhythm games, but I do know that the PS2 had a few. Like, um, there was this one with about a guitar guy, right? An anime one, and it was, like, made by Guitaro one of the Man? creators. And he, I think so. And it was made by one of the creators at Nintendo, and it was supposed to be, like, pretty hyped. It didn't really, you know, it wasn't a huge hit or anything. It was a cult classic. Mm-hmm. But all those games, I felt like this one uh, had more content, usually, or at least more content than I remember that it should have had. Like, these little mini games do go on, uh, do make a big difference when you have a game like this. But uh, what what was your opinion on it? Um, I think it was a, a good amount of content. I think my only complaint would be that the background effects were pretty much the same all the time. I mean, of course, it did better or worse depending on how you were doing. But it's not like, for example, the um, Whack-A-Mole one had mole graphics in the back. It was all just 2D art that appeared where your shakers would go. It's not like they went above and beyond... It really wasn't no. until like version two thousand and the Wii one where they like actually changed the uh, the backgrounds to be more appropriate for the song, the um, uh, volleyball, which I'll talk about uh, next. So it, it seemed a little cheap, but it was fun. So it didn't really bother me at all. Um, there was also DLC, so you could go onto the internet and download music from Sonic Adventure as well as other tunes. And this was all free. Oh, yeah. However, mm-hmm. um, you know you can't get them now, but you can download the, uh, the the files with like stuff like VMU tool. But at the time, Internet DLC was cool. But looking back, it was essentially an unlock key for content already on the disc. So, what did you think of Dreamcast DLC at the time? And do you think like looking back now, it was kind of like just a gimmick. It's not like you were actually downloading MP3s to your to your Dreamcast. Yeah, well, I mean, definitely weren't downloading. I actually didn't know. Like, 
even for the Sonic stuff, like the Sonic, like, uh, like the whole tree and the Y2K, was that also just unlock keys? I thought that was actual, like, a download. There was also the missions in Fantasy Star Online. But as for this, I, I didn't know they were unlockable keys, but now I guess it makes it a little less uh, cool, I guess, because <laughs> you have to just get the key. Right. Uh, but it, it blew my mind back then that you could get more content through the internet. And I remember being a kid and going, like, this is the coolest thing because now you you buy a game and it has more value as the game goes on because they add more things to oh, it. Oh, for sure. And you don't have to rebuy a game. I thought that was sick, but it really just turned into another way for companies to monetize us <laughs> long term because now they're just nickel and diming us now. Um, Should but you know when you're a kid you think everything's gonna be pro consumer. <laughs> uh, I I didn't know that actually. This is the first time hearing that it's just a key. I mean. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think... I mean, it did what it had to do. It made, it made me go online. Right. And I think that's what Sega really wanted to. I, I think they really didn't have a way to uh, put an MP3 or a full MP3 on a VMU and then play it off of an, MP, an VMU. So mm. it kind of makes sense. Yeah. What about you? I, I thought it was cool at the time. Looking back, though, it's it kind of sucks that you have to, like, find the files and other methods, even though it's all there. Um I, I do think there were instances where it wasn't all uh, just an unlock key. I think it actually probably created assets or pulled maybe existing assets to make new things. Uh, Rayman had some fun mini games, I remember. So, you know, I, I don't think I don't want to like burst your bubble on all Dreamcast DLC, but I'm I am pretty sure in this case it was more of a, a gimmick. Um, Ooh. The to make you feel better though, the Dreamcast original also allowed you to change the maraca sounds as you shook. So you could change your, your maraca sound to chow. So, you know, they go, you know, um, so that's pretty cool. And then uh, Samba de Amigo version 2000 was a revision released to arcades and the Japanese Dreamcast in December 2000. And at the time it kind of sucked for Americans, but I think it especially sucked for Europeans because Europe received the original game about a week before the revision released in Japan. So we, we kind of already discussed this, uh, so I don't think we have to discuss it too much further, but it, it just... I, I think there's a better alternate history for Samurai Amigo, and I think it involves Japan and Europe and America speaking to each other and being aware of what's coming and maybe saying, like, we'd love to release Samurai Amigo, but if you guys are doing a revision... Let's hold off until December 2001 or, you know, like something like that or call it Samba de Amigo 2001. In fact, Sega did plan to localize <laughs> the game with Samba de Amigo 2001 announced at the Sega Gamers Day 2000 event. But sadly, the, wow. the localization was canceled soon after. So you can imagine, come to Sega, play our games. And they're like, we're making Samba de Amigo 2001. Yay! And then they're like, oh, and the Dreamcast is dead. So, that sucks. Oh. Um, version 2000 was actually my first Japanese import. I think it's a must-own if you have the maracas. The game adds several new ways to play, and most notably has a hustle mode, which allows players to wave maracas from spot to spot, almost like a mix between the pose and the shake. Uh, this new motion was also implemented in a volleyball minigame, and another change is bringing the couples mode into all the modes, so you can play arcade 
um, in original or in hustle or in couples mode, which they called love, love mode. Uh, survival mode <sighs> sees you with a health bar, which goes down as you make mistakes. So you, you could like play forever. Um, I'd like to know how long someone has actually pay, played, but basically you play until you die. And, um, uh, and then of course we went on, went through all the songs. So ha- have you ever played version 2000, George? I have. Oh, you have. Uh, I, I, uh, I played it burnt. I didn't import it when they came out. So I had it burnt growing. I mean, when they came out because I, it wasn't localized. Um, so, uh, I think it's, it should have just, like you said in the beginning, it should have just been one version of the game and that it shouldn't have been revisioned in America. And we were going to have just one release. You're right. They should have just waited for the 2000 version mm-hmm. at this point. You know what I mean? Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the 2000 versus the original? I mean, obviously, would you consider it the defend the def- definitive version? I pretty much. Yeah. I don't. I play this one all the time. I don't play this one anymore. I mean, it's not like I play Samba de Amigo too much, but when I do, I'm always reaching for version 2000. Having said that, though, that it's sense. nice to know, like, read everything. So, at least with that, I like throwing Samba de Amigo on, but this one pretty much makes this one useless. Obsolete. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except for those two songs, which are on the Japanese one, but not on these two. So... You know, there's. I'm sure there's something there. Someone that's that's like translated. Like I've seen some weird translations for uh, some Sega games. Like I don't know if you've been keeping up, but there's been groups of people releasing uh, some of some translated stuff. Still not games that we have uh, been begging for, like Sega Gaga or anything. Mm. But it would be sick to see a uh, ultimate version where it's like everything in one disc that you could burn, so you don't have to deal with uh, switching and all that stuff. Oh, I'd love that. That would be sweet. <clears throat> um. Yeah. Speaking of other Maraca games, so it's worth noting the SNK game Cool Cool Tune, which released in mm. only in Japan, which actually had a Neo Geo Pocket Color uh, game called Cool Cool Jam, which you could connect mm-hmm. to the Dreamcast if you had Cool Cool Tune. Um, it actually works with the Maraca controllers. There is a Maraca text file within the game that makes it work with the Maracas. Um, it's not like working just because it, it works. I I mean, I've played Jet Set Radio with the Maracas and it does not work. You can only <laughs> jump and move. Because if you think this is, uh, uh, what is it? A, B, Y. And then this is down, left, up on the, on the pad. Then you're really only moving a little bit and jumping and, it doesn't work on the D-pad. Yeah. It's only on, or it's only on the D-pad, not on the analog. So, it, it doesn't work basically for any game except for Cool Cool Tune. Um, unlike Samba de Amigo, however, you use one maraca and hold it in the center, and then move to different areas to shake it. Um, I'm trying to remember what it looks like, but basically, it's like a, a ret reticle reticle. I don't know. And then there's a dot. In the yeah, you talk about in. In Cool Cool Tune. Yeah, in, in Cool Cool Tune. And then it moves okay. to different areas. So you're using the thumbstick. And for whatever way they did it, they were able to make the movements work with the uh, maracas. So give that a try sometime. If you have the uh, maracas in Cool Cool Tune, it's the only other game 
I guess the I will say mm-hmm. that uh, Cool Cool Tune is an underrated game for sure. I mean, I wish it came out in America because I, I think the art style is pretty uh, interesting, mm-hmm. unique, and I'm actually surprised it's an SNK game when I first played it because I mean, nothing about the game screams SNK, right? Right. It's got very cool music. Um, I mean, it's in the title, cool. Uh, the opening cutscene yeah. is really awesome. I think it, it's like Jet Set Radio meets Samba Amigo in terms of aesthetics. I wouldn't say it's it's super import friendly, but if you have maracas, definitely pick it up or burn a copy. It's um, it's a cool game. I, I think we should cover it sometime. I think that would be fun. Oh yeah. Um, so eight years later, Samade Amigo returned to the Nintendo Wii with Samade Amigo from Gearbox Software. Uh, despite the same name, it's a oh. very different game. Players use the yeah. Wii motes, uh, and instead of height position. The areas are based on the angle of the Wemo, which I think a lot of people get wrong. They think, "Oh, I'm," because this makes sense. Like with the like, look at my hands. Yeah. Like here. That's how. Uh, yeah, that's how I. Uh, I would have played it if somebody didn't but explain to me about how this is up, this is middle, this is down, and it really hurts your wrist to do it like this. So you actually have to. Da, da, and it just it works but it's not intuitive and no it it really hurts the game unfortunately um uh like i like i said it's far less intuitive um it it works but it doesn't work like the original game but what Mm. the Wii did have over the dreamcast is that players already had the accessories now the only thing you'd really have to ask them to do is buy a second Wiimote, but most people had to anyway. So That was a good thing you know, about it, yeah. It's all there. So, on one hand, I like the fact that so many people have experienced Samade Amigo. On the other hand, I dislike the fact that it was with a control scheme that was not ideal and didn't really work all that well. Um, I, I flashed it up here before, but like four ninety nine, this game is not... It, it's very easy to find used. It's a very cheap used game. Oh, yeah. I have two copies of it because it's so cheap. It's like, I think I found it for like four bucks. Like, I think before the pandemic happened, I was at a shop and I bought it again because I didn't have the 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 manual with one of the versions. Oh, there you go. So I, I went and got it again because I was like, oh, this version has a manual. And it's like five bucks at GameStop. <laughs> so I, I picked it up just because the manual I was like, that's worth five it bucks. It is because there's that because story like, in it that I read. Exactly. Um, exactly. The lore. But I mean, the thing is, though, like every it's widescreen compatible. Your little me appears yeah. in the corner, which is kind of fun. Um, there's brand new stages that appear in the backgrounds. Nearly every song from the original and version 2000 are included. There's new songs like we mentioned. Uh, stages, modes, mini games, cameos from other Sega characters, including Ulala and Sonic. Um, unfortunately, DLC was paid and it's long gone. I I made a mental note to hop on and buy it before the store closed, but I missed the boat. So I guess I didn't miss out too much given the quality of the DLC music. But you know. Um, like version 2000, the Wii release features original and hustle modes for classic and love love. Arcade mode is no longer present, but it's not really missed because arcade mode was just like a very basic way to play with a trimmed down playlist. Um, there are also battle and survival modes like the Dreamcast versions have. 
Mini games include Wakamole, Power Rush, Strike a Pose, Dance Dance Amigo, where you perform one dance move after another as quickly as possible, Monkey See, Monkey Do, Volleyball from version 2000, and a new one called Piñata, where you must use the proper angles and timing in breaking a piñata, which I don't know if that's a Brazilian thing, so this is again where... I. Yeah, like, these people are like Mexico, Brazil, they're the same shit, right? He's wearing Just a put sombrero. Them together, I mean, up. at least they didn't do, like, the tacos <laughs> do... and burritos thing. Yeah. I'm sure they wanted to. They wanted to. I'm sure it was... Yeah, they, like, fuck Grab the, the burritos, burritos. it's time for some samba music, you know. Uh, yeah. So... <laughs> so... <laughs> um, overall, the Wii version, it seems like the ultimate version, but imperfect controls when compared... Seems... Yeah, to compared to the previous ones, hinder the game. Still, it is the cheapest, cheapest and easiest way to play Samba de Amigo. And what what would your verdict be? Like, let let's do a review score right now. I'll hold up the game. So we have the original Samba de Amigo. What would you say? Mm. The original, I'd probably give it like a C plus, just because I mean they revised it so soon that it kind of feels like cheap. Uh, I would give that a, a B plus. And I would give this one like a maybe a C minus because like in the end of the day, it does have a lot of work that they put into it, and I appreciate it. It's just that the gra- the controls just did not work out. Yeah. I think they maybe needed a different solution or a different uh, programming style t- uh, on the angles or or whatever. But I feel like I don't know if it was Nintendo's fault because. I don't know. Is it just me or like are the Wii controls not as precise as people make them out to be? Like when I was younger and they were everybody was hyping these controls out, I'm like, I don't know. I kind of feel like sometimes you lose because of the controls when you're playing games. Yeah. Like there were some games that worked fine, right? Like tennis would work fine, but sometimes I found myself like I missed that hit, but I should have hit that hit. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, nothing really jumps out to me except for maybe Zach and Wiki. Which was a really fun game, mm. um, yeah. But then again, it was like slower puzzle-based games, so you could get away with like imperfect controls. Whereas here, it's like you've got to hit it. And unfortunately, the Wii version just wasn't all there. It makes me feel bad for like wave the wave group guys doing all this great music, and then Gearbox is like, uh, "This makes oh. sense. This feels good on your wrist, doesn't it?" Uh, so I saw this game before it came out. Uh, they invited me back way back in the day when this came out and everyone that's listening to this podcast was just a little baby. (laughs) Um, it was like 12 years ago. It it was Sega. Yeah. It was like Sega gamer day or whatever. You know how they said they were going to announce one at that. They were having that same event in 2008. Mm -hmm. And so they basically they would invite people from the community or uh, mostly journalists though because like Adam was whatever from G four was there you know they were in the same building back then so th- there was people from uh, EGM that I uh, grew up reading uh, reading that were there it was a pretty interesting event yeah. and they would basically put you into groups and then they would have you walking around and I saw this Golden Axe. Valkyria Chronicles. They didn't have Bayonetta at the time because uh, it was leaked or something, so they couldn't show it to Uh-oh. us for some reason. So we get punished. Um, they had this game to play, but like nobody was hyping the game up there. Uh, they had somebody there from I think Gearbox showing people how the controls work, and right away I already knew it was going to be a big issue because it's like 
I don't know. You have to have at least as good controls as the original, in my opinion, if you're bringing it back. You can't just Absolutely. like half-ass the controls. It's like it's like bringing back Crazy Taxi and changing the controls, all of it. Like, oh, no more trick moves, no more all that stuff from the original. We're we're just gonna dump it. You know, it's like no. <laughs> Got to get that. You got to get the gameplay is number one, especially for rhythm games. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think your verdict. My verdict. I would say the original one. I I would I would be more generous. I'd maybe say a minus. I would say this one, a. I think this is a very solid release, and this one, C minus. Like yes, that it's just I love these games. I, I don't fault the original for lacking features. I, I more fault maybe Sega for kind of f- fumbling the whole release on that. But this one, it's like they tried so hard and they fell so short. So, you know, I, I'd still tell people pick this up if you see it for five bucks. Worth getting for that, but eh. Um, but what they didn't have for the Wii one was Yuji Naka. So let's look at the ads. Let's look at this two-page spread so uh yeah the game received a ton of attention from the japanese dreamcast magazines in fact the official japanese dreamcast magazine seemed to have a samba de amigo article like one to two page spread in every issue and i think this was like a weekly or bi-weekly magazine leading up to release so what you see here is the one with yuji naka (laughs) visiting and look at that sweet like pink clear dreamcast controller behind him that's cool um yeah and not only that he's so young here i mean because i see him on twitter posting about his kids and look at this is young bachelor look at that look at that guy and um smile that just warms your heart and just i i want to know what he's saying i should i should have translated what he's saying here but it's it's very sweet i like him um and then on top of that uh in Japan, Samba Amigo had its own ad, which is quite memorable. So we're going to watch that right now. Oh, let me put it up. Uh, yeah. It, oh, it's 15 yeah, seconds. Let me, I'm going to play it now. Oh. Oh. It's like a sex. This is. What? Okay. It would have been great if, like, the guy also had the bikini. <laughs> I mean, just the girl changed. Yeah, yeah. pretty cool. That that was an intro. That that's an that's more of like that Japanese humor with the whole like, oh, the you know, these two guys are about to do it, but they're actually making samba music. I, I, like I liked it. it because it was kind of playing up the uh, couples mode. He was like, I want to show you my. My samba. I want to show you my maracas, and she's like, "No," and he's like, "You just got to shake them. Look, uh, it's cute." Um, next up, oh yeah, we uh, America didn't have any Dreamcast ads, to my knowledge. I think Amigo might have appeared in those like characters inside a Dreamcast. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, maybe I don't. I don't remember him. He could have been in the background, maybe. but like. We, we, I do. I really wish they would release like all the Dreamcast ads in high quality. You know, uh, the online ones are all like someone took it in the VHS. Somebody, ha- uh, the the Collected Works guy has them. Uh, yeah, he's just chilling on them though. I mean, <clears throat> if someone that ran a like I don't know some official site like pff, Sega Forever would be putting up commercials, would be pretty sick. Let's bother I don't him know after this. Let's that, bother him. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> however. <laughs> 
uh, the Wii version had some Western ads that looked like weird Disney Channel sitcoms. So I want to watch these. This is from see here here's here's this is from Nintendo Life. This is when you guys can cover Sega stuff when it's actually like a game on your console. So oh, good on poor guys get a lot of grief for being Sega fans though. I I'll play it right now. All right. <laughs> Boring. Yeah. I will. Oh, okay. This reminds me of like the Wii U, the Wii commercials, right? With the, but instead of Japanese guys, it's a guy. A, a damn. It looks like a Tim and Eric in. sketch. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it's like your family sucks. It's like the whole like suburban family. They're really selling it at the. To the family, yeah. But it comes off as like these. This is sarcasm, like it's. I don't know. I think it's kind of a a bad ad. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's like I don't know. Are they making fun of like a lot of the things that Sega used to do back then with the suburban family was mock the suburban family. And it feels like it, it's mocking. It's kind of feels like it, it's trying to mock it, but it's not really saying anything. It's just like. Families will enjoy this, so you're not really mocking a family. You're really just saying you, families should buy right. this, right? I, I think it's just very surface level. It's like the family's bored, but then the monkey comes and shakes maracas like in the game, and then they have fun. And it's like, oh, okay, that's... Yes. And it goes on for a minute. They're also, like, that could have uh, been 15 seconds. Um, oh, yeah. The next... But I'm saying, yeah. like, they're... They they literally copied the commercial where we like to play. Remember when they come we in and they like show you play. all the gameplay? Yeah. But this time it's a monkey. <laughs> if only the monkey would say, "We, I would like to samba. I wish the monkey <laughs> right? like, bit the dad. That would have been funny. And then he goes, Sega. In the yeah. end? Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> That's where they were missing the Sega attitude. Uh, this next bit, this is the CGI trailer, which I think is much better. So whenever you're ready, let me know. Uh, playing it now. Mild so this is a cut-down version of what you get in the game. In the game, it's a little longer and there's some funnier bits. Um, but it's it's cool. I mean, I, I think it's actually really well produced. Yeah, the CGI during this era from Sega was actually pretty good. Which, you know, it's a miracle considering all the things, right? Like, doesn't that look sweet? Yeah, this looks great. It almost feels like, I don't know, they could have done more... Like, imagine if the Dreamcast game had cutscenes like this in between uh, segments and stuff. Imagine if a modern game came out and had graphics this good for Sunday Amigo. Oh, yeah, the art style is beautiful, and it really plays... Like, with the low resolution, this looks way better, obviously. So there's, um... If you, if you start up the Wii game, you get the full one. There's a really funny bit where Amigo just starts doing worse and worse, and he's shaking his maracas less and less, and he goes to, like, this dark place... And he's all alone. He's just like shaking like this, and then they come up oh, and, and pat him. That's up. an epic shot, right it's there. It's sweet, though, right? Like that's cool. Um, yeah, very cool assets in the game. So I will, I will say the Wii version. What it does really well is it gives like this epicness to it when it starts out. It has that really great cutscene. It has a lot of music. It's just like we said, it falls short on the controls. Um, the Dreamcast release was very, very well received upon release. Uh, despite the maracas being scarce and expensive, so scores ranged from 92% in the gold award from German magazine Fun Generation 
to five stars Ooh. from Computer and Video Games, which called it fabulous. F- fabulous. And 90, fabulous. 92% from the UK Dreamcast magazine. Um, and the lowest was 69% from some French magazine called Consoles Max. So screw them. Uh, the the yeah. official Dreamcast magazine in America, I couldn't find the review score. I, I have to dig through the magazines more, but I know they loved it. Um they had to, yeah. right? I mean, they, they, they Sega would have a gun in their head. They're like, you don't like this they game. They said it didn't work You're that done. way. Done. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. The Wii version, meanwhile, sits at an average of 68% on Metacritic, which I think is pretty positive, c- considering. Um, yeah. Nintendo Power praised it, giving it a 90 out of 100. And Level7.nu Games TM hated it. Oh, those are two different once uh and they gave it a 40 and 30 respectively complaints included far too often your hands will be in the right physical space but the Wii thinks they're elsewhere inexcusable in this kind of video game and then another thing they said was samba de amigo was originally released for the dreamcast and now it's made its way to the Wii. with maracas in each hand your challenge is to shake to the beat as best you can the motion sensing abilities of the wiimote does unfortunate things uh, unfortunately, I'm presents sorry, itself the as an obstacle to the experience. I get what you're doing. Um, on higher yeah. difficulty <laughs> levels, it makes the game almost unplayable. As is, this is a decent party game at best. George just deleted the notes as I was reading them, but yeah, but I think it I'm works sorry. because I was reading a section about how difficult it is to play the game, and you made it difficult for me to re- read the quote. Um, Very. Inler. I like that. Uh, as far as another game, Shun Nakamura has said as early as 2017, I really, really want to make it. This is coming from someone who has to make physical items you had to buy and plug into your console in order to play Samba de Amigo at home. When the Wii came out, there was only one Wii remote and you had to buy another one. You could still do it, but it's a bit of a hurdle to get over. Uh, this time, I saw the Switch and I thought, oh my god, that's it. You don't have to buy enough or another peripheral. You just you don't need to buy another controller. I'm really, really interested in that. So, what do you think, George? Do you, Where is this is that? 2017. Do you think Samba de Amigo has a chance to come back now? No way. Not with the way Sonic Team is being like worked like a factory, I think. Yeah. <sighs> Sadly, I don't think we're going to be seeing any like unique non-Sonic games from Sonic Team anytime. I mean, I, I hope to be wrong, but like, let's if you look at the past games they've made, um, none of them have been huge hits. Um, like Rhythm Thief, like we talked about, the team that made that, it didn't bring in a profit. It's a rare game yeah. now. People are selling it for a lot more than it was uh, really than when it came out. Yeah, I think it is. I'm not sure. I think it's going for like 50 not too much more but still for a 3ds game that's not retail pricing right i why you have it and now you want to I'm sell just it just looking at how much it's worth how, how much is uh, it? oh man wow boxed well that's japanese version wow complete that's what i'm telling you complete right is selling for 110 to 120 to 150 wow 100 bucks <laughs> Yeah, it's going to get rarer, too, because not that many people bought it, I and did. I think Sega I kind it. of... I, I like the game, too, but like I feel like Sega just shoot it out there, like no advertisement, no hype behind it. It was just one of those games that went under the radar when Sega was releasing like 20 games a year wow. with like no uh, actual 
marketing behind it. Like, they did this with, like, Sands of Destructions and other games you guys never heard mm-hmm. of. So, yeah, I'm not that surprised. I, I would love to see Sonic Team do something new. I just feel like... I don't know, man. I just feel like Sega just wants a good Sonic game right now, and they're probably working on their 30th anniversary game, so definitely not anytime yeah, soon if it does happen. unfortunate. I mean, we talked about, for years, Seaman uh, coming back on the 3DS. That never happened. So... You know, these creators might talk the talk, but at the end of the day, the company won't let them. They won't do it. Um, Pretty Interesting, much. though, that you brought up Rhythm Thief. Rhythm Thief does have a Samba de Amigo stage in it. Amigo doesn't appear, but it has the uh, the little dots, and you get to play that game. It's, it's fun. Um, however, if we're talking about cameos from the main monkey man himself, we've got uh, several cameos to go through. Let's blast through these. Uh, we have Sonic Cafe. Sonic Cafe. Mm-hmm. So, Amigo appeared in Sonic Cafe, Sega's mobile game service in Japan, for 315 yen a month. Users had full access to the entire games lineup, and it was a lot of games. And this was in 2001, about 20 years before Apple Arcade did the same thing, uh, where Choo Choo Rocket had its Copied. sequel launch. So, um, Copying Yeah, Sega. right? So, despite mm-hmm. appearing appearing in the banner art, I could not figure out which games Amigo appeared in or if they had a mobile port of Samba de Amigo, but they definitely used him to promote it, so he was likely there. Um, In 2004, and I have some gameplay footage if you want to bring that up. (laughs) Yeah, um, I got it right here. The 2004 iToy PS2 game Sega Superstars, which was the reason I bought an iToy used (laughs) off eBay, uh, (sighs) features a a mini-game where you can play Samba de Amigo with your arms. And it's yeah. a pretty novel approach to adapting the game uh, to a new accessory, and I think it works fairly well. It's interesting, though, because mm-hmm. this was four years before the Wii. So really, if you want to talk about like straight adaptation of the gameplay, the PS2 did it before the Wii did. So, interesting. Oof, don't tell that to Nintendo Little fans. Fun they'll, fact. Get, they'll get upset. Yeah, right. Um, next up it looks like you're jacking things off though when you do your arms like that without the maraca it just looks like what are you doing Barry what are you doing and then you go you're supposed to clean the shake. kitchen <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's perfect like it's that, uh, right don't don't photoshop anything in there guys um, I remember I remember PC having games like these on their webcam <laughs> software they don't do that anymore I, I wish I, I wish Logitech did that though like Give, gave you really crappy games like that. Yeah. But yeah. Um, let's move into Pinball. 2003's Sonic Pinball Party for the GBA features a Samba de Amigo themed pinball table and Amigo Ooh. appears on the box art. This was a cool time for Sega. I mean, it was scary because we didn't have the Dreamcast, but they were throwing Sonic, Samba de Amigo... Knights all in a blender, and they were just like, have fun with a pinball game. I, I love this game. Uh, this and Pinball of the Dead are definitely hidden gems on that oh, yeah. platform. Um, coming up next, we have the Riders duology. I guess trilogy, but uh, Samadei Amigo wasn't in Free Riders. So Amigo mm. makes a cameo in the original Sonic Riders during the Sega Carnival track, which is just like a orgy of Sega references. It's insane. I've oh, yeah. I've never played it. I've played the game, but I've never played this track, but I've watched gameplay of it, and it's just, it's insane. 
Um, Amigo himself is playable in the sequel, Zero Gravity. And thanks to Troy Pasco, uh, Twitter Pasco Studio, for the info. Because I asked on Twitter because I wanted to be for sure. And people were like, no, 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 Amigo's in the first game. And then someone's like, no, you're thinking of I.I. And I realized so many Sega fans think I.I. is Amigo. They're the same character. No. No, they're both no. monkeys, right? Uh, um, <laughs> and then we've got Sega Superstars Tennis that saw Amigo breaking through the box art again, something that will carry forward in Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing. In Tennis, Amigo is there, but there's no Amiga, which really is stupid because, I mean, don't you play... Uh, they, yeah. they did a lot of like two pairs, so you'd get Knights and Riala... You'd get beat and gum, but no Amiga. Um, and he has his own court, at least. So that was pretty cool. And I, I think we're watch. Would you play like a little clip of? Uh, oh yeah, I'm playing. I'm playing the the little clip of uh, the court, which is actually very. Uh, you could tell they did a lot of research and obviously kind of like got the whole feel of it. I wonder if this is part of just grabbing assets from the Wii release or whatever. It could be. Yeah, I, I think it looks. It looks really cool the way they set it up. It almost reminds me of the volleyball game. Um, oh, yeah. So, cool on them for doing that. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I like it too. And then, moving into uh, uh, Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing and its sequel, Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed. Um, do you remember that? when, when we, we So, we got the early info from Sega on All-Stars Racing Transformed, and we were like... Where's Sega? <laughs> this this title looks like a blender. Um, yeah, they wanted to have Sonic on it, Yeah, right? Sonic and All-Stars Racing yeah. Trans... It never sounds right to me. Anyway, in the first game, no. Amigo drives the Sun Buggy, which was also released as a small toy figure from Jazzwares. It's this little tiny Amigo in a car. It's pretty cute. Um, his special move is Samba Day Party which causes other racers to form a conga line behind him where they are forced to dance. Samba de Amigo also has three tracks in the game, Sunshine Tour, Jump Parade, and Rocky Coaster, all of which are colorful and filled with great music. And then moving on to Sonic and Sega, Sonic and All-Star, Sonic Transform, Sega, whatever. Uh, Amigo drives (laughs) a four-wheel toy train. And sees new and returning tracks, including Samba Studios, which is new, and Sunshine Tour, which is returning. Samba Studios is awesome, in my opinion. Uh, It's a movie studio where you you encounter jungle, western city, sci-fi, and lava settings. The music for this course is a remix of Vamos a Carnival from Samba de Amigo. Uh, and this is one of the only non-classic courses in which the music does not change during different vehicle segments uh and then finally some that i didn't include pictures for but amigo cameos in mario and sonic at the winter olympic games where in the boutique players can purchase amigo's hat which is labeled as the samba hat the hat can be placed on the me and can be used in any event also in billy hatcher and the giant egg there is a special sonic team egg amigo emerges and moves at frantic speeds attacking enemies with his maracas and dance moves. And then Samba de Amigo music has also appeared in PSO2 lobbies during special events. And then finally, Sonic X, the comic book, uh, 
had in their 15th issue a, a Santa Eggman with a sack and inside is a toy Samba or toy Amigo with maracas and then also Bark and Bean. So that's that's yeah. typical of the artist, uh, Patrick Spaziente. He would also do um, references to a stall and like other obscure Sega games um, back in the Which, mid-90s. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's a big fan himself, so you gotta add him when you can. You can really tell that the new artists for, like, Sonic X and, you know, in the mid-2000s were bigger fans than, like, someone of the early 90s where they would just do whatever they wanted, you know? Like, um, uh, what's his name? That one guy that everyone hates because he, he did the sick lore and suits. Oh, Sega. Ken Penders. Yeah, there you go. Kim Penders, you think he's like a huge no, fan of the no, video games and stuff? No, no he's a not. huge like Star Wars fan <laughs> and will like rip off Star Wars and put it in Sonic. And it's like, dude, I know we had the Death Egg, but you do not need to like, yeah, you don't need to go yeah. that far. Um, and I, I meant to say uh, Barks there and then um, Storm the Albatross is a little toy. There's no bean. And then um, other oh. cameos that I did not uh, include photos of also include... An appearance in Sega Gaga, a costume for El Blaze in Virtua Fire 5R, a card in Samurai and Dragons, and then we're going to end, uh, before we go into Patreon memories, on a parody of Samba de Amigo, which appears in Steven Universe as a game called Meat Beat Mania, and apparently there's also a playable version of the game on the Cartoon Network website, so if you want to load up the clip... We can check it out. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, this is Samba yeah. Amigo. The Steven Universe show really does this a lot. And, and then we got Matt throwing, uh, I think there's a Dreamcast in Amphibia at one point, so a lot of Sega fans making TV right now. Yeah, I know, it's it's hot it right is. now. <laughs> yeah, this, this is pretty sick. I've never seen Steven Universe, the show, no, have you? I never. I mean, I've seen clips, but I, I don't know anything about it. Look at that. Yeah, I was, I was going to tell you, I was going to tell you, uh, who do you think is a better monkey character? Donkey Kong, Super Monkey Ball, or Amigo? I would go... It's hard. I mean, Donkey Kong is just iconic. I'd have to put him up there. Yeah. But I would then go Amigo and then I.I. I'm not huge into I.I. I don't know why. Why? Why why? Ah, I was wondering. I'm wondering your 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 uh your monkey. You didn't. We didn't even talk about Ape Escape and like. There's so many monkey games that we could like. We could literally have a podcast where we we uh, we rank all the all the monkey games. That would be awesome. And I think that actually is going to be our 60th uh, episode, which is next <laughs> next time. But um, <laughs> next time. Before we do that, we do have we're doing Patreon oh, yeah. memories, so we Go can ahead. wave goodbye to Steven Universe. That was cool, though. I like that they, they did that. Um, so we got Daniel Andres. Yes, he's back. He's got comments. He's got a lot to say. I bet he loves this game. Let's see what he says. He says, "I hate this game." <laughs> no, he actually he says, <laughs> he says, "Gosh darn it! I still need to play slash own this game. I really want to grab it, or at least the Wii version." No, don't. I think there's a Wii version that came with shakeable maracas, 
But those maracas are just so darn expensive every time I check eBay. I will at least say this though, the Samba de Amigo track in Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing might be my favorite track in the game, especially the acid trip section, even though if I've, <laughs> I've never done acid. <laughs> I just love the colors. I also really like the character of Samba de Amigo himself. Leave it to Sonic Team to create such a unique and great looking character. I feel like this is the one and only Sonic Team game that I still have not had a chance to try out. Also, as a side note, I am commenting on this on Sonic Tuesday. So, happy Sonic Tuesday to George and Barry and anyone else reading this comment. Boy, we, that was two weeks ago. Wow, Sonic Tuesday came and went. But, um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, do you have any parting words for Samba de Amigo? George, this is our biggest, most epic episode ever, and it's Samba de Amigo. I'm surprised it wasn't the Yakuza Zero one, but uh, my parting words would be that it's a great rhythm yes. game. It's uh, you're never gonna get a salsa maraca uh, rhythm game, so enjoy it while it happened. And the company actually went out and did this. And I will say that the next episode we're doing is Sonic Colors. And if you want your memories read in the end of Sonic Colors, and you really like Sonic Colors, you might want to back us at any entry on Patreon. And if you do, we'll. Uh, read those memories for you and I hope you guys actually like uh, Sonic Colors but if you don't like Sonic Colors we'll still read your memories absolutely uh, what is your party one I'm just trying to smile as wide as Amigo because I'm very happy that the episode's over and that and that we're we're having fun so from myself <laughs> and George uh, thanks for watching and we'll see you on the next Sega Talk Sega Talk yeah <laughs> there you go alright